Blog Talk Radio.
best course for our life, which way we should go. Maybe I should do just a word early. Yeah, I think I will. I feel like I'm feeling it right now. <laughs> okay, so I know this is strange, okay? Normally I do it's a word maybe toward the end of this first segment, but I think I'm going to do it's a word right now, okay? So my it's a word today is what I'm talking about. About I'm gonna I'm, I'm, it's it's a little bit of it's a little mixture of a couple of things, but it's what I feel like for the New Year's Day. I mean, I, we got you know um, for the New Year's what I think that we are going to has a has people face. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like and every year. I mean, for you those of you who are new and you're listening to the show, welcome to the show. But I do this little segment called It's a Word. I try to motivate you guys or encourage you guys with some of the things I'm going through or some of the things just that I feel like has been revealed to me by, you know, spirit by the Lord, you know, or for God or whoever you call it, and uh, just just talk, talk, right? So I really feel like this year is, I feel like a couple of things. I feel like this is going to be like a year of, of, of where you're going to have to make strategic change. Like strategic. I, the other day, y'all know I like tarot, right? For those of you who don't know, I like I, I, I like tarot. I like I'm a tarot. I, I kind of, you know what? Here's the thing. I secretly want to be a tarot card reader in some senses, but I'm a little. I'm. I still. I have a very strong. I, I feel. I still consider myself having a Christian background. I still consider myself a Christian, so I find myself in conflict with it a lot. But I love tarot. <laughs> right, and so uh, the other day I went to, um, and so I know, yeah, that's something I'm going to have to work out. You know, it's a person, it's just going to have to work it out. I know, I know, I know. But anyway, I, w- I was talking to a tarot reader, one of my one of my favorite tarot readers, and, and she was she was kind of just revealing some little things to me and everything, and I was sort of like, some of you guys are like, oh, Lord, Carlotta, you go to tarot readers. Yes, I do, every for, occasionally. When I can't understand something or when there's something not clear to me, sometimes I do. And so uh, so she was just explaining something to me. And it, and, and everything that she explained in which, you know, here's the interesting thing about tarot. Everything about tarot is based on energy and, and, and the energy in that moment. And so that's why you can't use all, like tarot card things as a guidance for your life, like absolute, because it's not. It's a energy reading in the moment. So, and people can manipulate energies, right? <laughs> so, uh, but everything was about choices and about personal choices and about the personal choices that we make in our lives. Like how you how you see your life life going is the personal choices in life that you will, you know, it's some of the personal choices that you will make or you or you have to look on. And I just feel like this year the some of the tremendous changes, of course we're going to see change in the world. That's just, it, that's just a given. Okay, we're going to see lots of changes, I believe, in the world, lots of upheavals and things like that. But in our own personal, individual lives, I feel that we're going to have to really look around us and really try to come to terms with certain things about ourselves and others in our lives. And that is going to take tremendous introspection and uh, a tremendous willingness to make the choices that we need to make. And I don't think that's always easy, right? No, it's not. And so it brought me back to comfort zones. 
and like you know how we can get i am a person who i am you know south node in cancer baby north node in capricorn <laughs> right so i so when you have that you know that south node in cancer for those of you who don't have the south node in cancer if you you don't know what nodes are and stuff like this astrology talk but it's your north node in your astrology chart for those of you who don't know you have a chart a chart a birth chart, but for uh, for astrology charts, your north node is the Capricorn, how you're supposed to live, like what, what you're supposed to live in right now, how you're supposed to act. Well, Capricorn is my north node, and south node is Cancer. So uh, in astrology, they feel like in your north node, you don't want to really live too much into your south node. You can take aspects of your south node, which is a former life maybe you lived or your younger life where, you know, and you're supposed to try to get out of your south node and go towards your north node. I know I'm confusing for people who don't know. But for those of you who know astrology or whatever, you get what I'm saying. But those for those who – so you're supposed to come out of your, your south node, which mine is cancer, which is home life, family, la, la, la. And I'm very much that, right? But you're supposed to go to a north node, which is Capricorn. Well, Capricorn is more business-oriented, it's more, you know, stuff like that. And sometimes I find myself staying very in my comfortable spaces, like the, the south node in my life, you know, uh, the, you know, family, uh, you know, home stuff and everything like that. And knowing and, and, and it's sometimes very uncomfortable to make moves towards what I'm supposed to, where I'm really supposed to be at, right? So... Uh, it is. I think that this year you're gonna. People are gonna. You, you're gonna have choices to make that move you into the spaces that you need to be in. And sometimes, even within in the terms of my where 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 people say my South Node is in Cancer, you can be very comfortable. You can get very comfortable in things. All of us can, right? We all can become very comfortable in certain things about how how we live life, uh, the choices we make, people around us from day to day and everything. But I really feel like this is a year where you're going to have to consciously make some uncomfortable choices. Does that make sense? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I hope, meaning that you may have to get a little uncomfortable to uh, – Move towards the goals that you need to do to do, and I've always talked about that on this show, because comfort to me, you know, comfort can burn you. You can stay in some place so long and so comfortable. Comfort feels good, but my favorite saying is, "Comfort is a motherfucker." I always say that, <laughs> right? Because comfort can be so comfortable, but it also can burn you. And before you look around, you're forced into change, and I think that's the worst kind of change, right? And I'm a Scorpio. Listen, I'm a thick sign, so I'm a Scorpio, and I'm a Leo ascendant, so I'm fixed. <laughs> right? It's hard for me. I'm stubborn. It's hard for me to move off my peg, right? So you, so so, so sometimes I can find, I can find myself in those comfort zones. So I know some of you guys out there can too, regardless of your astrological sign. But you can find yourself in comfortable places, and you can be really, really stubborn about making the moves that you need to make. So I just wanted to encourage you guys. I guess your it's a word for this year is don't be scared to make those uncomfortable choices. Don't be scared to. Uh, uh, to even if you have to get rid of people who you're very comfortable around, but they don't spark you towards your destiny, 
All right, they don't spark you towards what you need to do. Sorry, the introduction stuff. Sorry, the music stuff playing again. All right, but uh, but if they don't spark you towards what you need to do, you know, are they are they drain you in some sort of way? Have no problem. Make it's okay to evaluate the people in your life and family members too. I don't I don't listen when I say evaluate people in your life. I mean evaluate your family too. Okay, because some of them you got to put it out. And you gotta make your, you gotta keep your distance from, and you have to maintain your in energy field, uh, maintain your energy to be able to move in this in this year. Okay, we gotta maintain. You gotta be be alert to what is draining your energy and what is um, and what's helping giving you uh, um giving you encouragement so that you can have more energy. So I think we have to start paying really close attention to the things we give our energy to, our attention to, and that's including friends, family, lovers, whatever, husbands, spouses, wives, whatever. I mean, you know what I'm saying? If it's whatever, uh, cousins, aunties, (laughs) friends, best friends, whatever, if it's not in a good space, then you may need to address it. Okay, so that's just my. I don't know. I, that's how I feel. Is my it's a word this year. I mean, this for this 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 week. I hope it helps you. Don't be a, don't be scared to be uncomfortable, and you know, and to walk in a little bit of. Um, and if there's something here's you know it. I don't know. You know, you sometimes that we can be holding back on a lot of things. A lot of things that we have on the inside of us, and we may be feeling like, you know what, I want to express something, but I don't know if it's time to express it. I don't know if it's the right timing to express things or whatever. But I say evaluate the situation or whatever you have to express, how it affect people or whatever. And if something, you got I feel like there is, in this time and space, you're going to have to pay attention to your intuition even more because we are moving into such a high spiritually energetic field where deception is so thick. I mean, his deception is at an all-time high, okay? So I think you really are going to have to be in touch with that internal voice, that quiet, quiet voice that leads you and guides you about self-expression, direction, pathways, and everything, you're really going to have to hear it. And sometimes what happens when it, with that voice is louder and louder, it's saying, hey, maybe you need to express it. Maybe there's something that you need to, it, you need to unburden yourself with or whatever it is. But, but really take time to listen to your intuition regarding those types of things, right? You know, you're just going to have to take some time and really hear where your spirit man is leading you. And it's, it's, sometimes it's so hard to get quiet and listen to that space. You know what I'm saying? This is one of the hardest things to do is to get quiet and hear that in, internal voice. But I really feel that as we move in this year in this high octave, highly spiritual octave but deceptive time that we really are going to have to be in touch with our intuition 
our inner God voice and our um, and apply it towards uh, the, our pathway. You know what I'm saying? In all areas. So it's not it's a word. I hope y'all like it. I hope it works for y'all. Okay. Now, I did It's a Word early, so if you guys are just now tuning in, I'm sorry. You don't have to catch It's a Word during the archives, okay? And I'm sure we'll have some more. Y'all know how I be doing word as, it come, as we go into the show, okay? But this week, y'all, Power 2 comes back. Oh, my God. They have released some trailers. Courtney Kemp. Courtney Kemp. If anybody, if anybody who listens to this show knows Courtney Kemp, Turn her on to my show. Tell her, Courtney, if you ever do an after show, I'll come do the after show for, for Ghost 2. I love Ghost 2. <laughs> Ghost 2 is it. Okay, listen. So let's talk about it. Court, uh, the court, they left us last week with Tyreek in jail. A couple of weeks ago, Tyreek's in jail, and he gets that note from Ghost. You right where you belong. <laughs> a note. Okay, so this week they've released a couple of trailers. <laughs> I am so excited for the trailers. Okay, one of the trailers, if y'all haven't seen it yet, I'm going to tell y'all what one of the trailers is. Because I ain't got it up. I would have played the trailer, but I don't have it up. And plus, I think it's better if y'all see the visuals. So go look up the trailer for Power 2 that's coming on tonight. 12 o'clock, you can get it early, you know, with stars. You know how stars be releasing it early, 12 or 12 a.m. All right, listen. Monet and um, and Tahada, whatever I forget the man's first name. Her, they in bed, okay. Uh, uh, Lorenzo, 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 and Monet is in bed, right? And the kids come in. First comes in. Uh, oh God, I I'm so bad with names, but first comes in the daughter, you know, and she's giving the uh, she's giving she bringing her daddy breakfast, and Monet like, what? You don't forget me? Like you ain't brought me no breakfast? <laughs> And she's like, well, mom, dad just got out of jail. You know, the kid, all the kids are throwing shade at Monet. Then Kane comes in and, and, and Drew with his clothes, like, from the garage. And they're like, you want to get some new clothes pops and all that stuff. And they joking with him. But and, and Lorenzo's like, everything's going to go back to how it was before I got up. I, I mean, before I got out. I'm so glad to be home with my beautiful wife and my kids, and everything is going to go back to how it was before I got out. And, you know, the kids is all happy and everything, but Monet's sitting back looking like, bitch, I don't want it to go back to none of this, <laughs> none of that shit. <laughs> and, you know, Monet been out, done already moved on with Becca right here, you know, because she used to play, she like, damn it, this nigga, I mean, she know, she like, damn, he done got out of jail. <laughs> so she's hot. Monet, the plans have changed. So Monet's got to walk, you know, lightly. So I'm excited to find out. Now, here's what I personally think is going to happen, and later on as, we, as the show progresses, I kept thinking, is Monet going to choose Mecca or is she going to choose Lorenzo, okay? Now, Mecca's the first love, okay? Mecca might be the true, you know what I'm saying, like in some senses the true love, like the, the emotional, I'm connected. I got my, I have my first child with love, right? But she, there's a part about Mecca she doesn't know, you know, because Mecca's kind of, you know, she doesn't know that Mecca's her connect, and Mecca's been lying to her and shit like that, right? 
But Monet got all these, you know, he be he the type that he be coming around, he be he 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 appeals to Monet's emotions. He be playing the new edition and shit from when they was young and she he was pulling up fucking with up Monet's head and everything. You know, so Monet got a real weak spot for Mecca. But with Lorenzo, it's all about family, partnership and all this shit. She loved Lorenzo, but it's a different kind of it's not a it's not that emotional love and connect that she got with Mecca, right? Now, I think Monet liked that shit with Mecca. But when Mecca, when she finds out Mecca is lying to her, you know Monet's about that life, right? So Monet is not going to look at that as, one thing about Lorenzo's ass, okay, Monique is not, Monet's not weak to Lorenzo. She understands what the fuck Lorenzo is, okay? And she understands how she works in Lorenzo's life, even though, there's a connection there and there's love there, you know, and our passion and shit like probably Mecca, okay? But Mecca, here she is trying to trying to reunite with Mecca, but she can't trust his ass. Mecca's Mecca appeals to her emotional man. He's all, I mean, her emotional woman. He's all in her space and got her going back down memory lane, and she's like, damn, he's fine, and oh, yes, I got my first kid is by him and all this stuff. But he's a liar. He can't come to her straight. And he makes her weak. Now, who do you think Monet going to choose? Because Monet is about that. Like, one thing, what did, what did they say from, I think it was Monet that told, was, I think it was Monet that told her daughter, what did she say? Lovers make you weak, but partners make you strong. I think that was Monet. See, Monet is going to choose that Lorenzo. Because why? Because she can trust Lorenzo. Lorenzo, Lorenzo, and she she has a love for Lorenzo. She's got two, three kids by Lorenzo. But it's not the same. Ain't that passionate stuff. But Mecca, the lie is going to fuck Mecca up. Mecca would win if it wasn't for the lie. Mecca's a liar. And she he can't be trusted. He fucks with her emotions. And, Me- and, and Monet's not the type of chick that likes her emotions fucked with. She likes to be told straight up. She likes to see you coming. And everything like that. So my personal opinion is in the end, Monet is probably going to be sticking with Lorenzo. Now, that don't mean that that Mecca ain't going to give her no run for her money. But I think when she finds out Mecca's lying, because she already feels something strange. She's like, what the fuck? How are you just going to show up out the blue? Like, she's she feeling some sort of way about Mecca showing up. So she, I, even though she got this intense passion and love thing for Mecca, Mecca is not trustworthy, okay? And so, you know, with Lorenzo, he all straight up about his shit, right? So, And Lorenzo can be not trustworthy, too, but she knows what Lorenzo is, right? She's been with Lorenzo long enough to understand his ass, okay? So I think, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting, uh, 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 we're going to get an interesting uh, storyline coming over with this Lorenzo, Lorenzo, Mecca, Monet, and then how Tyreek is going to play out and all this shit is going to be even more interesting. <laughs> I love it. I love I cannot wait to see uh, Power 2 Ghost coming back tonight. And we already know they also released a trailer of Lorenz Tate, uh, uh, Councilman, the Councilman, I forget his name, Councilman something, I forget his name, but uh, trying to go in to talk to Tyreek in jail. And he's like telling Tariq, you were supposed to help me. But Tariq was saying, hey, I was helping you. And I got the dirt you need, but you need to get me out so I can get all of it. 
So you know he going to help counseling Ty, whatever his name is. You know he going to help Tyreek out, even if he got to go against his brother, because he'll do anything for that power. So it tells me that Tyreek is going to get out of jail, and probably the councilman is going to help him. And we know Tyreek's getting out of jail. The question is, how does Tyreek get out of jail? How the fuck is it going to affect everybody? Because Tyreek is going to be a beast when he comes out of jail. You know he's going to be mad at Kane's ass. He's going to be mad at a number of people's ass. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how Tyreek plays this game. You know what I'm saying? It's just he's it, – so I, my thing is keep your eyes on Tyreek, Okay. Keep your eyes on him definitely. Now, speaking of Power 3, now they just announced that the top three shows in black home, black households across America are all 50-cent executive produced shows. Isn't that crazy? Which is the Power, the power thing, which is Power, uh, which was Power 2, uh, a Ghost, uh, Power, uh, I think, 3, Raising Canaan, and BMS. Crazy, right? <laughs> we love a good gangster flick. Shit. <laughs> All right, so uh, really crazy. I thought that was really interesting too. So Power Two goes on to, on uh, I guess at midnight or tomorrow at eight o'clock, whichever you prefer to see it. I am so excited because two weeks. It, stars got to stop the two week shit. I mean, it's already too long making us wait for the season from week to week. We be ready to we be ready to binge on that shit and done with it, right? But it is what it is. All right, so this week also I got to watch Love and Lockup, Love while in Lockup, not Love after Lockup. I saw Love after Lockup last week too, which had me cracking up. Love after Lockup was a hot mess. They had uh. The young man, uh, oh, I, you know what? I gotta, I can't. You, I'm, y'all know how bad I am with names. I know I'm about faces, but they had a young man, uh, the the man, the new young man that was going with the white girl. She ended up marrying another chick when she got out of jail. They had him hosting the show, and uh, one of the other inmates hosting the show about how to hook up with inmates and all this stuff. On WeTV, it was hilarious. It was funny. They interviewed a lot of the people who've been on the shows, and you kind of got the backdrop of what's happened to those relationships. And one of the people they entered, uh, they interviewed was, I think it's Siobhan or something, the one from Kansas City, and she is no longer with him. But she seems like she's gotten a lot smarter and she's less controlling. I mean, she, you know, it really wasn't his fault to me. It was kind of, you know, more her fault going after him like that. But it, it it was very interesting. It was a uh, and then you you had uh, you I don't know if you guys remember the really mean girl. She was really mean. She had a daughter, and this man had this uh, older white guy. She was white too, but he had, I forget his name. He had moved all across the country to try to be with her. He bought her a house and everything. He was in the midst of working, trying to fix up. The man was going in debt, trying to take care of her funky ass. Her ass get out and acting a damn fool on him, right? Well, now this is the other, the black guy who had got played by the other white girl, now he's with her on the show. I mean, it's just crazy, okay? So when I get all these names, Dante, Dante is his name. Dante, the boy Dante hosted. Dante, who was with the other, the other girl, I forget the other girl's name, but now Dante's with this girl, this girl from the other show, from the one of the other uh, relationships on the show with the older white guy. So it's going to be really interesting. I think the next season, Love After Lockup, so I'm waiting for that because I'm sure they're going to carry on with that. 
And uh, love, I got to see love in lockup this week. Let me tell you, that shit is going to be every bit of good, bit as good as love after lockup. These are people who are having relationships with dudes that are in lockup. And there's this girl on there. She is so... <laughs> I can't think of her name. Her mama's a bunny, bounty hunter. Y'all know, I'm bad. This is a new show, so y'all know I'm not really getting it yet. But her mama's a bounty hunter. And her and she's in a relationship with this Puerto Rican dude who's in jail. The dude is beautiful, though. God, I mean, he's gorgeous. He's he's a, he's a he's a, he's a beauty. But you know, his ass is sitting behind them bars, right? So she so she's so in love with this dude. She's like telling her whole family she's gonna because wait a minute, she has a tarot card reader. Now this is where tarot card readings go bad. My personal opinion, okay. You cannot live off, you can make some of your decisions and look at, you know, get some information from tarot card readers, but you can't, <laughs> you can't be like, she, like, just living her life off of everything this chick tells her. Like, this chick says, oh, well, he's, it's going to be good for you to move to Ohio, it's going to be good for you, this and that, blah, 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 blah. You have to be very careful because tarot readers are reading the energies most of the times at the time. They're reading the energies sometimes in present space, not all the time, but most of the time in present space, right? So, and that can that they're hoping to tell a future, maybe a future action that may happen. But energy, energies change. Remember that. So, <laughs> so she's she's a witness to this tarot card reader. She's coming back to her family. My my spiritual Ariana told me I could move to Ohio. And I'm going to be with him, and he's going to be really good. He's going to change his life. Now, her mama's getting ready to find out some shit about him that she didn't know, like, all the shit that he was in jail for. Like, he's supposed to be just in jail for armed robbery. But there's more to the story. And I can't wait. You're going to get to see that next week. So that was that was an interesting uh, uh, person they had on there, too. Then there's also um, – this other black girl they had on who's having a relationship with several men in prison. <laughs> and she's very pretty, too, right? And it is just that she sounds crazy as hell, though. She sounds like she's nuts. I said, maybe the reason why she can't have no relationship with no man outside of the jail because she might be a little touched. <laughs> but she's beautiful. But it's, it is so interesting to hear her uh, her reasoning as to why she's dating these men in jail. So it's such a good story. I mean, I like it. You know, that's my guilty pleasure, love in lockup. I have not seen Growing Up Hip Hop yet. Is that what it is, Growing Up Hip Hop? I haven't watched a new episode yet. I hear it's a lot of new people coming on to Growing Up Hip Hop this year. It's, they're supposed to be doing it really big and really different. I don't know how I feel about it. I was kind of getting bored. I don't know. I was kind of getting bored with it already. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to go watch it because I like watching. I like the, the crew on, on, on growing up hip-hop, but sometimes I get bored with them. But I'm going to definitely try to watch it and see if I like the space and the direction they're going in. And, I, and I'll tell you all about it, okay? But Love After Last Up is the one that I watch uh, this week, okay? Okay, and you know what? We already did our Insta Word. So, listen, what we're going to do is when I get back, 
We're going to go into the news, hot topics, pop culture, and all that, and a whole bunch more, and my opinions on the hot topics of the week. First of all, I know Betty White passed away uh, at 90, 99 years old. Well, look at, her, look at her life. What a blessing, right, to live 99 years strong, okay? Yeah, so, you know, she just shot her 100th birthday. Uh, rest in uh, peace to Betty White. And when I come back, we're going to talk about Sydney Portier, who uh, passed away, Portier or whatever you say, uh, passed away uh, just yesterday. Was yesterday or the day before yesterday? Yesterday uh, at 94 years old, okay? And we're going to talk about, you know, here's Sydney. Sydney is a very interesting um A very interesting uh, celebrity to, and actor to me throughout his career. He chose a lot of times to speak through the roles he took and everything like that. But at the same time, I, it, it, it really brings me, even though I'm, I'm, I'm a big Sydney Portier fan as far as acting is concerned, but it does bring me to this idea about what a lot of uh, more um, activists uh, you know, we talk about Yvette Cornell, Antonio Moore. We talk about uh, TV, hip hop media. We talk about uh, 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 Jason Black. We talk about uh, you know Tyreek Nasheed. A lot of people are talking about uh, lineage and Native Black America. Uh, Sidney Poitier was not. You know, he was he was he was he was actually born in Miami, but his family, I think. His family, uh, he, he, that, that allowed him citizenship. His family just happened to be here. I think he was accidentally born when he was here. And he came back from the Bahamas when he was 15 years old because he was born in Miami. That allowed him to come back to the States and, and live in the States uh, and, uh, and work his acting career. But it is very interesting to me that he becomes the first black actor to win uh, an Oscar. Now, yeah, I cry out of why are you talking about this <laughs> in the middle, you know, of he, he has such a great acting life. Yeah, but I also wanna say with lineage or issue of has lineage always been a thing about white America that uh and this is no this is not a um let me talk about it now. This is not a, a dismantling to his honors or his career. But it does say a lot that that there has always been this thing in America and white America to have more of a fascination with black people from the diaspora to bring them over or to let them allow uh, when they come over and they kind of put on uh, somewhat of black America's mask and and you let them pass through passages that you don't let black America pass. I mean, what did it take another how many years before uh, a black man won an Oscar? A black American, a black American descendant. I think it was several years after Sydney, forty-eight, Denzel Washington. So, and Denzel is one of those actors that can't be denied, though. So, it is very interesting as we look at those type of things. And I and I, and I go. Wow, that that was even an issue in those. I mean, in those times. I mean, you know, white supremacy is a very smart, uh, energetic movement. In my in my assessment of it, it moves in in in, in and it's just most dangerous 
when it is concealing itself uh, under uh, under other things, under other motives and things like that. So when we get back, we'll get it. We'll get it back. Get a little bit into uh, uh, the uh, Sidney Poitier and what he meant to Black America, but we'll also get into. Uh, it brings me to the idea of going back to how black America was kind of sold as a commodity throughout the world. Yet it's hard, and it's it's hard to it's easy to see us as um, a commodity that you can buy, but it's hard to see the real people and things behind uh, behind what created the culture of black America. It's hard to see that because we're supposed to be a culture with no face and no lineage, but that's not true. We were supposed to be just a commodity. White America sold us as a commodity, and so other people all around the world, even people with black faces, thought that they could just buy into that commodity and not understand. You know, it's as if I came to um, Nigeria, right? You know what I'm saying? And I... And 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 I just think I can put on the cloak of being Nigerian and erase completely the story of the people of Nigeria. Nigerians will be heavily offended. So I, you know, so I, it's it's a it is it, it's an interesting thing, and I feel like Sydney Portier's story kind of intersects with that in some ways. So we'll talk about that in a little bit more when we get back. Uh, plus, we got to talk about Dick Cheney up in here. Y'all know when Gangster G Dick talk, I don't hardly say nothing about Dick Cheney. Y'all know I don't play them games with Dick Cheney. I respect his gangster, okay? <laughs> but we're going to talk about him a little bit. We're going to talk about uh, Gisselaine. Uh, lawyers want a retrial. I told y'all, I told y'all it was going to be slick up in these streets with Gisselaine. I told y'all, I told y'all, okay? And then this is a great story, an 83-year-old. I said it right, 83 years old. Grandmother enrolls into Harvard. Look at that. It shows that you are, it shows that some things, not all things, but a lot of things in life. You're not too late for it, right? You're not too late. 83 and enrolling in Harvard. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more when I get back on the CC show. Meanwhile, what am I going to play, y'all? Y'all like, Carla, you just still don't, you'll be having uh, the sun up. <laughs> I don't. Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. But let's start it off with um, a don't disturb the screw the system. It's the CC show. I'll be back in a moment, y'all. <laughs>
that um, there is something to, um, and maybe have, there has always been something to the lineage of black America and its relationship with America as former slaves in America and how we're viewed in, um, in our own country. And that how that, uh, and even how we view ourselves, because I really feel like for so many years, black America has viewed themselves. And I think that Antonio and Yvette, of course, are the people who are bringing up, they're one of the two main people who are bringing up the topic now, and many other people of the importance of black American lineage to reparations and things like that. But I also believe that people have done it throughout history in, in, in di- different ways, right, in, di- very, in different voices. Uh, Yvette and, and Tone links to reparations, which I understand I see as a, one of the, the biggest important things. Uh, and you even hear other people talking about it, like uh, uh, Tariq Nasheed, you have uh, Jason Black out here talking about it. You have uh, people like... Um, uh, and you have t- and you have TV news, hip hop, and all this stuff doing that. So it uh, so to me, there e- there are voices out here who are coming out and and kind of reflecting back on how important uh, lineage and the look at lineage in America is to uh, the Black American struggle. And uh, maybe my personal opinion about our lineage, and even for us, I think that. It is even hard for us to look at ourselves in terms of lineage because we've been a universal commodity. Our culture was sold as a universal commodity or a universal a product. Our culture was the cultures that we created in our survival in in our survival to live in America. These little uh, little cultures that Black America created throughout the United States was packaged and sold in, in forms of music and, you know, because our our music is very much intertwined with our cultures. The blues is very much intertwined with how we live. R&B is very much intertwined how you live. Gospel and spiritual music very much intertwined with the people. Our expression as a people is very much intertwined in our cultural uh, world. So entertainment is a very important aspect of the black community. However, I believe that it was packaged and sold and that we couldn't even see it. We stopped seeing it as as a culture, too, and we stopped seeing ourselves as a culture. And it's not just through the foods we ate and the things we do and everything like that, but it's how we lived. And so uh, I think that uh, it made it easy for uh because we we didn't have any, because we didn't have any uh, sense of boundary and sometimes and self acknowledgement for who we were, it was it's, it's very easy for white supremacy to package ideas and people and things and like Kamala Harris, Barack Obama and stuff like that and and put place them in our um, lineage because they're the same color. And say, okay, here is your, uh, your here is something that you can aspire to, but they're really not a part of the lineage, right? Do you? I guess I hope you guys get what I'm saying. That he's Kenyan, she is part Jamaican, 
so there is not that, but that doesn't speak to the advancements of black America has descendants of slave in America. We need to see how are the how how are the former sons and daughters of slaves in America advancing? Not people who come over from another from other parts of the diaspora being masked as us and saying, "Okay, this is your advancement." Because that's not you're not us, and you don't have you you may have been introduced to some of our struggle because you have the same color, but you're you haven't had the same experience in America that we have. Which brings me to Sydney Portier, and it isn't to slight Sydney Portier or anything like that, but I really feel like a lot of Black America, um, we have such low self esteem sometimes that we just. We just we never we could never see ourselves in certain ways, you know what I'm saying? And we tend to that doesn't mean that we can't love people from other cultures, other black folks, and and, and love what they've done and appreciate what they've done. Sydney Sydney Portier, even though he's Caribbean, was a great representation of the time for Black America, and he you know uh, for for at that at that time as an actor, right? But at the same time, we do have to recognize that. He wasn't black American, right? And 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 it's very interesting. It doesn't mean that I mean he was black American in the sense that he was born in America, but he still didn't have the same. He's Bohemian, his background, and so um, even though as a black man, that's a, we can celebrate his accomplishments. We also I also want us to to take a look at that that interesting that even then how it was easy for him to get an Oscar. I mean, it wasn't easy for him to get an Oscar, but it was easier <laughs> for him to get an Oscar than a black American male, in my personal opinion. So, uh, yeah, so, but here it says, Sidney Poitier, Regal Star, Big Screen, dies at 94. The Oscar-winning actor, this is from uh, uh, HollywoodReporter.com. Oscar-winning actor memorabilia, uh, memorable in such films of has lilies of the field to serve with love in the heat of the night, broke barriers and served as an inspiration for generations. And remember, he was telling our stories. He was telling African, most of those stories were African-American male stories, right? So it's very interesting. But it says, Sidney Poitier, the noble leading man whose work in such films is no way out, lilies of the field in the heat of the night, paved the way for minority actors and actresses everywhere, has died. He was 94. Portier died Thursday night at his home in Beverly Hills, a referred his family told The Hollywood Reporter. Portier was the first black man to win an Academy Award for Best Actor when he was acknowledged for his portrayal of a good-hearted handyman uh, for Arizona nuns in Lilies of the Fields. He received an earlier Oscar nomination for his turn as a convict on the run in The Defiant Ones. In 2002, he received an honorary Oscar from the Academy for his extraordinary performances and his unique presence on the screen and for represent, representing the motion picture industry with dignity, dignity, style, and intelligence throughout the world. Portier was the first actor to star in mainstream Hollywood movies that depicted a black man in a non-stereotypical fashion, and his influence, especially during the 1950s and 60s, as a role model and image maker, was immeasurable. He del- his deliberate and lifting voice contained grace, and his mesmeric manner made him one of the most beloved stars in Hollywood history. Uh, Portier was also also was the first black actor to become the nation's top box office drop. Okay, 
attaining this distinction in 1967 when he starred in the three memorable films To Serve With Love as a teacher in London, In the Heat of the Night as a Philadelphia detective Virgil Tibbs, and Guess Who's Coming to Get to Dinner as a fiancé of a white woman. All were benchmark performances. He said, I made films when the only black, other, other black on the lot was Shoeshine Boy, as was the case at Metro. I was the lone guy in town, he told Newsweek in 1988. Now listen to what he said. And this is, and I, I don't want to diss Sidney Portier. That's not what I'm doing. What I'm trying to say, and that doesn't mean we can't, uh, we can't be congratulatory on his accomplishments and everything that he done, he did as a black man, but was it easier for him to move because he was of Caribbean descent? I mean, there, and he said he was the lone one out there, right? You know what I'm saying? He was. It, there weren't too, he, many other black males except for the shoeshine boy, and I bet the shoeshine boy was ADOS or FBA, a descendant of slaves. So I, the question becomes, uh, was America comfortable with a non-black actor playing those roles, with a non, it's okay that if we connect, we bring in somebody else in the diaspora to uh, uh, to tell your stories and for 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 to be your to be somebody you look up to, but not one of yourselves because you're too connected to to your struggle. You're too connected. See, because I wonder has I mean I wonder how long has white supremacy played these games. Even within politics, we're seeing the same games being played. With, with Kamala Harris becomes the first woman of color to sit in the Oval. Well, she, she, she it's a hot mess, but she becomes the first woman oh, oh, to sit in the as vice president. That's not a eight. She's not a descendant of, of American slaves. She's not a descendant of Jamaican slaves, according to her father. And but she's rolled off the legacy of Black America. And we've allowed that in some senses because we don't see ourselves as a lineage. We don't see ourselves as a culture. And not many other people, once people come from the diaspora, all around, I, I mean, I, I have to say this, the lack of, I don't think Sidney Portier was like that. I think Sidney Portier came along in a time where he knew he had to carry, even though he wasn't black American, he knew he had to have, he needed to carry the black American cloak on his back. You know, he understood, well, this is a different, I'm here in America now, I've got to become one of them, and i got to roll with them, and i got to, you know, make sure I represent them because I'm not, now it's a different ballgame here in America, and America's a different ballgame. I think he understood that. But now what I see, and, and, and it just scares me a little bit, is that when even when I tell you, I tell you about my own fave, okay? I said, Maxwell, I saw him up on stage, and I was like, he was talking like he was like, you know, like you just getting grafted in. Black, like black America is something that you get grafted in by listening to WBLS on the radio when you, <laughs> when you was what? You know what I'm saying? Like, and there's not a recognize, there's not a recognizing of that we are a culture of people who have had people do, who have had, uh, uh, ancestors and descendants on the land. It's like if I came to Haiti and just ignored Haiti's Haiti's culture, 
I just said, well, I'm just glad I can be part. You know, I just ignored all, everything that hate, Haitians have done, and I try to erase their culture and just become like, you know, we all black. And they like, uh, wait a minute, hold on, we got a whole, we we got a whole country over here. <laughs> we the first black republic. Like, you know, it's, it's we, we are all black, but we all have different lineages and culture. And it was almost as if you couldn't recognize, like, it, there's, there's, it's a sin to recognize that black Americans have their own culture. And I think it's because black Americans were sold off, like I said, as a commodity and a, a product. And especially in the uh, through um, in the early uh, in the early half of the 1900s and late half of the 1900s, I mean, you know, we were sold off. We're the face of hip hop. We're the face of R&B. We're the face of pop. We're the face. You know what I'm saying? And we're sold all around the world, uh, even in movies. Our culture is being sold, and everybody is looking up to these black Americans, and they and people think of them as not people who are living a life, who've lived a life, a fully developed life for hundreds of years. Their ancestors have, this is, these are survival tools and culture, a culture they made to survive in this space. But instead people just say, I want to be like them. I want to walk like them. I want to talk like them. I want to talk the slang. I want to be this, you know. But not understanding those were survival mechanisms and tools and culture. Uh, we created a culture just like you got one. And, it, and, and because it was sold to you as a commodity and we weren't sold to you as a people, you 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 misinterpret us. And so I, I, I really I really appreciate movements like ADOS now. I really do. Even though I don't know, I'll wait, all the way agree with Yvette and, and Tom and everything, I do appreciate the movement because there has to be a recognizing of lineage and proof that black America, Sidney Portier, in some senses, even though I love Sidney Portier as an actor, he's a great actor, Great, uh, took on great roles. Um, however, I do understand that we could we could use his legacy. We've been using his legacy as a sometimes as a measuring stick of how black people did in Hollywood. And while, yeah, in that time, because it was hard for any person black to come in here, but. We have to acknowledge it may have been an easier space for him being a person of uh, uh, being a being of Caribbean nature. You know what I'm saying? Where there was where you know Black Americans, even though Black Americans were able to succeed in that space, we have to look at it from that space, from our lineage space, to be able to see how we're doing. To be able to measure that doesn't mean that other people in haven't came over and contributed to Black American culture, but it means that Black Americans, in order to to recognize how we're doing in any space, including Hollywood, business, school, and everything, we have to be able to measure it from our lineage perspective. How is Black America doing in that perspective? We can't measure it in the diaspora whole because. The problem started with slavery, Jim Crow laws, segregation, 
things like that that were done specifically to black America. The target was black American people. And if we can't see we can't we can't see how we has we have has a culture have done over the years without being mixed in with everybody else, people masking us saying, Well, there's the first black woman to become uh look, you've got a black president now. You've already had a black president. No, that's not the measuring stick, just a black president. He was of Kenyan descent and his mother was white. That's not the measuring stick. The, the what the, it's not just being black. There was a there was an assault against a lineage and a group of people who were descendants of slaves who have been on the soil for hundreds of years. So we need to look. How is that group doing? That group does not. It's like if I go over to Nigeria and I suddenly become hugely successful in Nigeria, that doesn't mean the people in Nigeria can't look up to me and say, "Oh, as a Black American woman, she's doing good." But I can't be measured in the same same stick as Nigerians because I'm not Nigerian. So you, you're going to think of me as an American and say, "You know, she's she's different from us. She comes from a different background." Okay. So we have to be able to use our, and I, that's why I'm. I think that there's so many people are trying to get people to understand, and I think it's very, it's, it's being very. People are finding the ADOS movement and movements like them so offensive because of the way you've been taught, white, the way white supremacy taught you to view our people, and it taught you to view our people as a product instead of a lineage and a culture. We're not just something that you just because you enjoy our enjoy our music or you enjoy our that came from a place. So I think if there's an understanding and a whole of the Black American experience, then we can begin to talk about and have the measuring stick and the real truth about how Black America is really doing, and not people masking as what Yvette Cornell said. I love what Yvette says: masking our failures. Because if you're over here as a Nigerian and you become the first uh, president, that doesn't say anything about how the descendants of slaves is doing. That's good as a black person you made it because black people in America have had a hard time, but it's a specific group of black people in America that has had a hard time. And so we need to see how that group is faring. And so... That's why I look at the legacy of uh, of not Sidney Poitier, not only the great things he's done, but also what does he speak to in terms of lineage. Even in Hollywood, I don't even think Hollywood actors, even black actors, recognize it yet. When they do, they're going to start recognizing it as they lose jobs. But I, I, I don't think they, they recognize how important lineage is to what they're doing. And because a lot of celebrities and stuff like that, a lot of them, a lot in the celebrity world, they have low self-esteem and they want to look towards, um, they don't like to look towards their own ancestral line in the current, Not they like to go way back to Africa and try to figure it all out, and they tend to ignore because they, there's some sort of, sometimes in black America we have a low self-esteem because we've been taught that we're products. So we try to go and look, we don't believe that we have solid ground, we have created solid ground here. And so you have these sometimes this celebrity culture and movement trying to uh, lure you into this idea of Africanism and stuff like that. And it's okay to go back to Africa and go back to connect with some roots and all that stuff, but we're no longer Africans. 
and we haven't been for quite some time. We are of African descent, but we've become a lot of other things, too, in America. And our experience is very different. So, you know, that's what I, you know, it, it's, and just like a person, Haitians wouldn't consider themselves, they are of African descent, but they probably wouldn't consider themselves Africans. They're Haitians. Right, because they have created a whole other culture and place for themselves. And it's the same thing with us. So I just found I just found that that Sydney Portier story is very powerful, a very powerful story, but it's also a very powerful story to the things that uh people in the ADOS movement are talking about too, okay? So and that it's been going on for quite some time. <laughs> All right. So I thought that was interesting. Also in the news, Dick Cheney, okay, comes to Capitol on January 6th. He says he's deeply disappointed in the GOP leadership, okay? Well, and this is according to ABCnews.com. It says, while most Republicans were absent on Capitol Hill for January 6th anniversary Thursday, one of the party's most prominent elder statesmen was there. ABC's News Chief Washington Correspondent Jonathan Carl spoke to former Vice President Dick Cheney just off the House floor. Asked why he came to the Capitol this day, Cheney said it's an important historical event. You know, I don't know what the first, we're going to talk about this in a minute. Referring to the anniversary of the insurrection, you can't overestimate how important it is. He added, I'm deeply disappointed we don't have a better leadership in the Republican Party to restore the Constitution. He noted that his daughter, Representative Liz Cheney, Republican Wyoming is an exception. She's the vice chair of the House Select Committee investigating the attack on the Capitol and has come under heavy fire from Republicans. Cheney then went to the House floor with his daughter. He has a lifetime four privileges as a congressman who held the seat she now occupies to observe a moment of silence. One by one, Democratic members, including some liberals who cascaded him and his politics when he was vice president, approached him to shake his hand and pay their respects. Let me just stop here. I don't want to go too much off on Dick Cheney because Dick Cheney is one of the most gangsterous motherfuckers who ever sat in office, okay? Motherfuckers gangster, okay? When they ask the motherfucker, how you know the people, the American people, you know, uh, don't like these wars you done got us in. They don't like blah, blah. You know what his response was? You know how gangster Dick Cheney was? You know how the fuck, how gangster, you know what his response was? So? <laughs> I mean, this is the dude who did allegedly shot somebody out in the thing, and they came back and apologized to his ass. Okay, shit. I don't fuck with Dick Cheney too much. But I will say this, that January the 6th shit, to try to make that into Pearl Harbor with Kamala Harris's dumbass speech, Pearl Harbor, 9-11, bitch, 3,000 people got killed in 9-11. What the fuck are you talking about? One one person and an officer, any life, lots of life is sad, okay? But that shit was a walkthrough they was doing at the the Capitol. They was walking through, taking Nancy Pelosi statues and pins and shit like that. That wasn't no fucking, that was, that was barely a riot. Motherfuckers trying to make this out to be 9-11. And Dick, Dick, you know damn well that wasn't no, <laughs> I ain't going to say too much to you. Sir, you know that wasn't no damn 9-11. Now, see, let me explain what Dick Cheney's trying to do, okay? Because neoconservatives, neocons have lost the battle. They, they're mad. Their party has been taken over by fucking Donald Trump, okay? 
These George W. Bush and G- Dick Cheney's gangster ass. Sorry, Dick. Don't hold it against me. But Dick Cheney's gangster ass scared the shit out of Americans so much with these funky-ass, false-ass wars that America was like, fuck that, and voted a black president in the White House of Kenya. They said, we ain't going to vote no niggas from America here, but we will vote this half white Kenyan in. Shit, because this shit, they done did, done put us in too much stuff, okay? It was too much shit, okay? <laughs> that's how that's how rough George and them. Now, now, Barack mostly maintained the shit Dick and them did, okay? Because they all kind of on the same side, global side, right? But meanwhile, Barack Obama was so bad that they, they, the people was like, oh, shit, we going to have to resurrect the original Republicans, the, the Lincoln Party, the real conservatives. Bring back the Tea Party. Okay? Y'all look back at what the Tea Party was. The Tea Party is where Ron, first it was a little second. Remember Ron Paul was growing up out of the Tea Party? A lot of people love Ron Paul. Well, a continuation of Ron Paul just a smidge. He's not as bold. Ron Paul is like the conservative uh, version of, of, of uh, what's his name? Bernie Sanders, okay? That's, Ron Paul is a conservative version. <laughs> okay? But Donald Trump, not as, not as wild as, as Ron. Ron Powell comes from the Ron Powell movement, okay? He's not with the neocons who want to, who feel like, damn, we ain't had a war in a while. We got to have a fucking war up in here. We got to cause war so we can make money. We're imperialists. That's what Dick Cheney, I mean, Sir, Sir Cheney is, okay? Shit, don't, don't fuck. I ain't trying to fuck, but I ain't trying to mess it up. I ain't no offense, Mr. Cheney. Okay. That's what they are. And George, old George Sr. was, right? They they the warmongers. They like, oh, shit, we need a war up in this bitch. Okay? <laughs> That's what they are. They neoconservative, they love war. They love it. And they'll tend to side with the Democratic Party more. The Democrats and them will come together because they're all for the global. That's why I said you cannot look... There is no more Democrats and Republicans, to be honest. Most Americans don't know that. You don't know. There's not really any more Democrats and Republicans. That's just theater. No, it's now globalist versus nationalist. Well, Colorado is globalist. Globalist is for the good of all of humanity. All of the world must share in its resources, which means less shit for you. Now, they don't really want to do that. That's the shit they hide behind. They say globalism, because what they really want, the people that's behind globalism, which is a bunch of motherfuckers who own a lot of shit, they want more customers and shit, right? And they want to span, they reach you all over the world, especially places like India and China, where there's a motherfucking billion customers compared to America's little old ass with 330 million customers. 300, what, 340 people, 40 million Americans? And y'all asking for more and more shit every day. I mean, y'all done got so into y'all rights and shit. Now y'all want, we want more pay, bitches. We want more. <laughs> we want, uh, we want this. We want that. The powers that be is like these bitches in America have got, they too much. 
We want to go and exploit the poor in the world because America's gotten too smart. Well, they kind of dumb, but they kind of smart too. We've given them so much. So now we got to create, we got to make America's ass third world. We got to bring a whole bunch of people into America and bring the cost of living down and everything else where Americans just, you know, they, they, they just no longer a voice. And we do this through globalism. We do this behind the idea that everybody needs to share in resources. But we don't really give a fuck about nobody sharing in resources. All we really want is more customers and more shit to control, okay? <laughs> and the neocons, like, did it. I mean, Sir Cheney. They like that shit. Where have the the have the the Trump people? They kind of like that shit, but they kind of like, well, wait a minute, America should always kind of be first. We mother we we nationalists up in here, and we kind of represent. We like the idea of America just being America and on its own. They're disruptors to the whole idea of national of globalism. So there's when you look at your politicians now, you have to decide, am I on the side of globalism or on the side of nationalism? That doesn't mean you don't want other people around the world to succeed. No. It, 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 but that's what these other fools make it sound like that you, because you want your country to succeed first, to be good and be good. You want to put, like you want to take care of your own folks first. They make it sound like you's a motherfucker. You ain't even want to take care of your own. You know, like, the, okay. They want you to be like, this is how the globalists want you to be. They want you to take care of all these other motherfuckers around the planet and fail to take care of your own. Remember the story of the woman who took care of all the kids on the block and her own two kids went to jail? <laughs> That's how they want you to be. That's what globalism is. Whereas nationalism is, let's take care of my children first and then I take care of the children on the block. Now nationalism got some shit too because it got a little elements of imperialism too. Too much of anything is a bad thing, right? Too much power, too much of control is always a, what is it, absolute power corrupts anything. So we have to have a mixture of shit, right? But these, both of these fractions are fighting right now. And so Dick is there to protect globalism. Dick is one of the major players in that. Hey, Dick Cheney, I'm just trying to explain to people what's already known out in these streets. I ain't got I ain't got no problems with you. I'm just saying what you know what they already saying. I ain't got no problems with this change shit. My ass don't say nothing about this change. Matter of fact, I'm gonna quit talking about him right all together because shit, I ain't trying to get my ass in no problems with Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney, this motherfucker that had you know how many surgeries that motherfucker had. They used to call Dick Cheney Darth Vader. <laughs> Cause he made, cause you know he done had so many. He, he every time somebody, you know, he thought he was dead. You know, he done had heart surgery and all these things, mechanical things allegedly. And people, people, th- people say he's motherfucking dark. <laughs> I didn't say it. I didn't say that, Dick. That's what people was out here in these streets saying. Cause they said, you know, he 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 never he every surgery with it, he never died. He, they said he just be a made up of electronical stuff. That's what people say. He's like a rocking robot and shit. Cause he missed, you know, he you know that that mofo come out of come out uh, off of everything. He don't live to like he 150 and shit. Okay, I'm scared to change this. I ain't, I ain't, I 
ain't fucking around. I'm sorry, I'm sorry for whatever I said that may have offended you today. All right, let's go on to another uh, story out here in this street. Uh, should we talk about, let's talk about the 83-year-old, okay, who, 83-year-old Dallas great-grandmother, great-grandmother enrolls at Harvard at 83. Wow. Okay, it says, if you're, uh, this is according to MSN.com Lifestyle, it says, if your New Year's goals are already needing a little boost, you'll want to meet Barbara Ingram of Dallas. I'll still want to be able to go out and be challenged, says the homemaker and 83-year-old great-grandmother. I got bored, and I decided that I needed to do something mentally to stay busy. When she uh, had her fill of puzzles during the pandemic, Ingram decided to take on a new challenge, Harvard. It was the best school I could go to and the hardest school I felt I could go to, she explains with a shrug and smile. Barbara Ingram uh uh, so with her family's full support and a little bit of amazement from friends, Ingram will begin her fourth semester at the elite school later this month. Oh, my God. She says she's been studying economics history. And, oh, yes, having fun while working hard. I have a routine, explains Ingram. I start the night at 10 and study until 2.30 in the morning. And if I studied longer, I probably could have done better, but that's my routine. Ingram is t- taking her courses online but wants to eventually visit the campus. For now, she says she loves it so much that she feels almost guilty with all the sadness in the world. To top it off, this walking billboard for lifelong learning has gotten a real one. An anonymous supporter has put a billboard at Park Lane in Greenville in Dallas uh, touting her latest challenge. I couldn't process it the first time that Stan and I pulled up to look at it, she says. And while she enjoys both the applause and the challenge, Ingram says she knows the message is bigger than just celebrating her. There was a lady out there taking a picture, and I said, why are you taking a picture of this? And she said, because I want my mother to see this. She wanted her mother to get on the ball and do something. Ingram says the message to seniors or anyone is, or anyone is that age is, age, ages are just numbers. If you're able and capable, keep setting and chasing new goals. After all, dreams didn't come with expiration dates. We've done a lot of living, Shares Ingram, but we still have a lot of living to do. Oh, my God. I I love that. And that's probably my soul tribe right there. I love that. That is such a wonderful story because let me tell you something. This society really promotes. And we even seen this. I even see this in the man's sphere too, which I don't like. It's, and it tries to come at older women, okay? And I think sometimes, a lot of times, and this is a sidebar. I think a lot of men are very frustrated with women as they're aging now. They're aging differently, and I think a lot of men are frustrated with that. That women do, even though they say they don't, have more options. Right? Women are starting to look younger and do things differently and stuff like that. I think sometimes it frustrates some of the male, uh, <laughs> the male sphere. Okay. However, there's still challenges to any group of people as they get older and gain age. Okay. But uh, one of the beautiful things I like about this story is that the world today is such. Uh, there's such a focus on youth. And there always has been. And, you know, 
I grew up in a home that was multi-generational. You know, I, I grew up in a, well, I had my grandparents. I was raised by my grandparents, but I was surrounded by a multi-generational group of people. I knew my great-grandparents on both sides. I knew my great, uh, I knew my great-great-grandfather and my great-great-grandmother, okay? So uh, they, they, I, I, they, I had the gift, the beautiful gift of multi-generational, multi-generational. And what I learned from that beautiful gift that I had is that the world does not just belong to the youth. The future is just not yours, young people. You have a shared future. You may lead that future. And you you come to lead that future usually very late in life, almost close to your senior years. Baby boomers are just now leaving the work sphere. Baby boomers, I said. <laughs> Xers are just now sometimes, which is a very small group of us, are moving into uh, uh, le- uh, leading roles, and some millennials now in their 30s and 40s. Xers in their 50s, 40s. So the world if you keep in mind that the world doesn't belong just to the youth, that's a lie. That's a lie that big business and, and secularism and all that stuff likes to sell. But the spiritual truth, if you always keep in mind as a great leader that the world is shared, the future is shared, you may lead it, but you are not just the future. And proof of that is this beautiful 83-year-old soul who is endlessly, endlessly youthful, who says, I need, I got bored and I want to learn. So I enrolled in the hardest school I could, Harvard. She's still out here valuable to the world. Age, if you look even in the Bible, Moses, when Moses, uh, when Moses went back to get his people, Moses was in his 90s, I think his 80s or 90s. He was an old man when Moses did the most significant thing in his life, which is lead his people out of slavery, out of Egypt. That was Moses' big story. Moses was an old man. He wasn't a young man when he did that. I love that story because when you, even when you read about Joshua and Caleb, when Joshua and Caleb come come and take over after Moses dies, Joshua is in his mid his mid years, and Caleb is an old man, and they're both called to lead their just the new generation into the promised land. So the Bible often uses people of all ages. <laughs> so I always tell people spiritually. There is no expiration date for what you're here to do on the planet. Just do what you hear. Every every stage of your life, you've, you've been blessed to live a long life. It, Betty White was proof of that. People like Betty White. She was working up into her 90s. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just, you don't have to take, you don't have to hear the crap. You may have to adjust how you do things. Because we, we do get older and our bodies do have limitations as we gain age and stuff like that. But you can keep going. You can go further than the average person your age. The human body can do a lot of things. So that's why I'm just saying don't use the excuse of I'm too old to do this, I'm too this and that, or leave it to the young people. No, the future is yours too. 
okay? So I love this story. I love stories like that. I love that. I really do. All right. Shall we talk about Gisseline? We got time right now. Or should we go on break? Got time to talk about Gisseline? Um, what do we got to say about her? Uh, Gisseline. Well, I told you guys. I said that she was going to, uh, she was going to find some way, they were going to find some way to present a new trial. And I really believe that Gisela, actually, I, you know what I believe about this trial. I believe this trial was a bunch of hogwash, but it is what it is, okay? Uh, Gisela Maxwell, this is what it says, Yahoo.com, says lawyers call for retrial over jurors' comments, okay? Lawyers for Gisela Maxwell said she deserves a new trial, uh, after a juror told media that he used his own experience of being sexually abused to persuade other jurors, jurors who doubted witnesses. Uh, prosecutors also asked the judge to open an inquiry into the statements. Maxwell was found guilty last week of grooming underage girls to be abused by Jeffrey who had be, uh, uh, to, to be abused by Jeffrey Epstein. The juror said he told fellow jurors that like some of Epstein's victims, he had been abused as a child. The man who asked to be identified by his first and middle name, Scotty David, told reporters that he shared an experience with the jurors after some had questioned the recollections from two of Maxwell's accusers. I know what happened when I was sexually abused. I remember the color of the carpet, the walls. Some of it can be replayed like a video, he said, he told the jury, according to the Independent. But I can't remember all the details. There are some things that run together. When I shared that, they were able to sort of come around on, uh, they were able to come around on the memory aspect of sexual abuse. Okay. Now, this is kind of tricky because the courtroom is not really a place when you, that's why they try to, you know, and it's very hard because humans have experiences and stuff like that. But however, your job has a juror, and it's very hard for juries to understand this nowadays, and I feel like, not enough of uh, of the uh, people who uphold the law explain this to juries uh, better. But your your thing as a juror, my understanding of the law, has never been to go in there and go by your gut, ooh, I feel he's guilty, ugh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or to go by somebody's experience in their childhood or even your own. Your thing is to go by the evidence that has been presented and is there a possibility, because remember, and this is something I mean that, that we, we fail to understand in America today because the news media loves to turn it around, but remember the prosecution always has the burden to prove its case. They always have to prove their case. And if there is a slight bit of reasonable doubt, then you have to let them go. That's hard for people today because we've been taught as a society in these last 30 or 40 years, oh, our feelings, we got to go with our feelings. Oh, what am I feeling? What am I? <laughs> but when you go into a jury, your 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 business, and, th- and this to me makes prosecutors work better and it makes police officers work better. I think we, for what's happened over the years with jurors, we've made police officers and uh, uh, and. and and prosecutors very lazy about cases and what cases they bring to trial. I mean, they've been they brought half-ass cases sometimes to trial, and, and and later on they find themselves revisiting them because 
jurors don't make sure that prosecutors pay for bringing not bringing good cases to trial. You have to make sure they pay for that if they didn't if they don't have good evidence. So you when you kind of go into the jury room, you kind of got to be a robot. You kind of just got to look at the evidence and say, "Well, you know what? That person could be lying." And it's enough evidence for me to say that they possibly could be lying. I got so I can't say plead guilty, but we don't do that nowadays. You got people going by their gut, telling their feelings and shit. Well, when I was ten, I was abused. You're not supposed to do that. It's about the evidence that is presented to you as a juror. So this is possibly the reason that Gisselaine Maxwell will probably get a new trial, and in a new trial. I bet it will be a hung jury, and she will skedaddle hung home. <laughs> and we will not hear anything about this case. I don't think she will ever, 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 ever give up the most powerful elite men who were on that island visiting Jeffrey Epstein's island. You're never going to see it. You're never going to hear it. You never. She's never going to do it. She's never going to give it up. And I don't think they want her to. You already heard about the two. Uh, we talked about that. I talked about it last week. I said I didn't know what happened to the two uh, security guards who were supposed to be protecting Jeffrey Epstein. Well, they dropped the charges against them last week. They dropped the charges. <laughs> so I don't think I think that the Jeffrey Epstein trial is a rabbit hole that no one wants to go down because if you go down it, you may disturb. The dynamics of our world, that's how bad it's going, it could be. It could be that there are some world leaders that's been on that little island. Something that will change, it could shake up the dynamics of the way we see the world now. <laughs> and they don't want that to happen, okay? Which I'm going to talk about a little later on in the show, how the CIA, this week BuzzFeed did an article how the CIA was covering from some of its staffers who were involved in pedophilia. Okay, so this shit runs deep. <laughs> God, it's a mess. It's, oh, the world is a mess. All right, so I'm going to take a phone call, but after this, when I get back, we're going to talk about the CIA. I'm going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about um, John Legend selling his catalog. I don't know what is up with all these singers selling their catalogs and their music and stuff. Somebody let me know. I don't know. Somebody from the music business, explain to me why y'all selling out y'all catalogs like that. Y'all need money that bad? Dang. It's crazy. All right, so we're going to talk about that. I kind of understand why John Legend did it, though, artists like John Legend. I can kind of get it. But still, it's crazy, okay? He sold it for an undisclosed amount, which probably means not that much, <laughs> all right? But we'll talk about that and more when I get back. But I'm going to take a phone call real quick. 
you're uh that means that tells me you want to talk, okay? But if you don't want to talk and you just want to listen in, which a lot of you guys do, uh just that's fine. Don't hit the one, okay? But the number is 718-766-4236 if you'd like to talk. But I want to understand. I don't understand why these entertainers are giving up their catalogs. What the fuck is going on? Why are y'all giving up your music catalogs like this? I mean, black artists in the day long to own their own shit. Michael Jackson probably got killed because he had so much shit. You know what I'm saying? It's allegedly. You know, y'all know what I mean. I'm just trying to figure out why it is that black artists are still, is it that? It probably is hard times. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of these, you know, I love, I was listening to this young lady who I really, my mom turned me on to her this week, and I was like, oh, she's so good. Her name is True Brilliance. Like, she's an astrologer, and I really like her. True Brilliance, I believe, on YouTube. And she also has a Patreon. She's really good. But she was saying, she was talking about, the Neptune, like how how like if you if you're into astrology, you understand that um, like this, the planet of Neptune is which rules which rules Pisces and stuff like that. It's very Neptunian, like a dark planet. It's very illusionary and stuff like that. And she was talking about how Hollywood and the music business and things like that are are, are all ran by Neptunian. Like you see a lot of Pisces symbolism in those because they're so illusionary, such. Uh, it's illusionary image. Like you can see, uh, like celebrities, you see them and they look so beautiful on covers and stuff like that. Yet when you see them in person, you're like, wow, they look shorter than I thought, or they're not as tall, or they're blah, 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 blah. Because it's a very Neptunian type of industry to be in, right? And uh, that's why I always say with women, I always tell women, when you, when you like your favorite singer, when you go and see them and you're like, oh, his ass is so fine, and you screaming for him on stage, you're like, ah, you throwing your panties up there and all that stuff, and you're like, he can get it, he can get it, <laughs> right, 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 when you say that stuff, you know, but I always tell women, see him off stage. Because he's in under his anointing, which is he's under his inept, Neptunian, his seducing powers, you know, come from that. See his ass off stage and see how he behaves and acts and stuff like that. Then you might not be, you might be like, man, I'm throwing my panties up there at that. You know what I'm saying? You got, that's why I say, you know, because you can be under, that's why so many women, especially women, women are very prone to it. But Beyonce can be very Neptunian too, because Beyonce's whole to me thing is very Scorpion, lilt and Scorpion with a little dash of Neptune. Like it's very seductive. Like she's throwing out seducing energy at you. But when you go see these male singers and stuff, very I think a little bit of not only seduction but very Neptunian because and I think women we're more prone to be seduced by um, that, like a little Plutarian and Neptune. Like I always, I remember my first time, I always talk to y'all about my first time. Y'all know I love Maxwell, right? So one of my first ones going to see Maxwell, I always say he might be a little Sagittarius because he has this energy where it's very seducing. He can seduce the whole audience. Like the, all the women were just looking at him like he was a chocolate chip cookie because he's very seductive. So when you see, so we, so but. It may make you think you want to throw your panties at his ass, right? But you don't know him. So when you get to know when you get to know him, and like you might say, this is a goofy ass motherfucker. I don't know if I want to give him coochie or not. <laughs> I thought I wanted to give him coochie when he was singing to the cops come knocking, but shit. <laughs> 
women, you think you want to, and a lot of women get seduced by that. So they end up giving these dudes, I'm not saying him per se, but like rappers and and singers. Michael Jackson had tons of like you know they give they give you they end up giving I'm just saying I'm not saying Michael Jackson but we you end up having groupies and stuff because the seduction of what you think is there is I think women more fall prey to it and I feel like that's the whole industry in a whole it could be very seducing so it can make you think people have wealth who don't have wealth people have money who don't have money people sing better than they actually can sing you know what i'm saying like remember the whole thing of millie vanilli right i've told this a lot of millie vanillis in the industry really seriously i have i've been told there's a lot of there's not wasn't just one group and there's still currently some millie vanillis but listen this idea what did millie vanilli gave you they were very good looking guys right they used them as the face but behind them were a group of people singing that wasn't even them. <laughs> so that's a very Neptunian. A shout out to True Bliss for giving me, for talking about that this week. Because I, I mean, for a video she talked about that on a few weeks ago. I thought that was a dope explanation for it all. And so, you, when, so what we may be seeing in the world, especially music, and when we're talking about musicianship, because if you understand anything about spirit, music, and music is spiritually a seductive thing, right? So if you understand anything about music and the seducing qualities of music or just the influence and the heart, you know, music can change your whole attitude. It can change your vibration. You want to change your vibration, listen to your favorite song, right? Listen to your, you know, you, music, you know how uh, when you get in the room with somebody and he playing something sexy and you're like, oh, it's going to be nice. You got the lights going and the candles and like, okay, right? So you can, it's, and the music just adds to the, you know, the atmosphere, the ambiance. So, it, so the same thing you get, especially in the music industry, we're looking at these people and we think they got all this and we think they got, but they may be in a desperate-ass place, a lot of them. So uh, we're going to talk about that when we get back. John Legend selling his catalog. We're going to also talk about, uh, let's see what else I wanted to get on. Uh Jim Jones, talking about his mama teaching him how to tongue his child. I don't know. We got to talk about the CIA and the staffers. Uh, we got to talk about uh, Joy Reid out in these streets about to lose her job. You about to lose, they say, you about to lose your job, Joy. Wow. Okay. And we're going to talk about Janice's new documentary, a whole lot of other stuff, and more when we get back on the CC show. Meanwhile, let's get into a little bit of music. Y'all know how I like to do. This is one of my favorites, okay? I love this. I was listening to this late last night. And sometimes I'll be sharing, if y'all on my Facebook page, I'll be sharing music I'm listening to at the time. Or, like, you know, I always say my insomnia groove or something like that. Well, I was listening to last night. I love this. It's an old, old song from Janet Jackson. Because I'm an old school Janet Jackson fan, okay? Young love. I brag on that. Janet Young Love, I go that back that deep. But the Dream Street album was one of my favorite albums, okay? And she had this song, which is one of my favorite songs from the Dream Street album. To this day, it's one of my favorite songs. If it takes all night, here's Janet Jackson. It's the CC Show. I'm Carlotta. I'll be back in a moment.
about celebrities, musicians, okay? A lot of musicians have been, black musicians too, but white musicians have too. I think just last week, well, uh, David Bowie, I think it was David Bowie, would that be a mine over David Bowie's catalog now? Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, say that, I think they sold off his catalog to like 300 million or something. And, you know, they only get these catalogs for I think a minimum of like 40 some years or something like that. But, um it's really interesting. There's a selling off of all these music, especially black artists, because 
black artists have so long been cheated out of ownership of their music catalogs. Most artists have, particularly black artists. I mean, just cheated like fuck. I mean, if you look up cheat, cheat the most cheated people in the music business, you'll see all these black people just a line procession of black people smiling at you. You I mean you know what? Some of the top artists in the in, in show business. But uh, they said, this is according to MSN Entertainment. It says, John Legend sells catalogs at KKR BMG stores confirmed. Uh, when ZZ Top sold its catalog to the KKR BMG partnership in December, observers noted, uh, observers noted that the companies which announced that they were joining forces to acquire music catalogs last March hadn't actually seemed to acquire much. However, it turns out they have. A source close to the situation confirms to Verity that uh, Variety Verity that John Legend sold a catalog that includes such songs as "All of Me" and "Ordinary People" to the partnership in September in a deal that was not announced, but was revealed by Bloomberg late Thursday, citing an unspecified regulatory filing. A search of SEC filings in the past year did not return any documents related to John Legend or his real name, John Stevenson's BMG or KKR. While the price was not disclosed, because it probably wasn't for a lot, <laughs> maybe it was, I don't know. Bloomberg says Legend sold the copyrights and rights to receive royalties from uh, to receive royalties from music he wrote from late 2004 to early 2020, with the two companies acquiring a 50% stake each. Okay, <clears throat> the source tells uh, Verity that BMG will continue to administer. administer the catalog and also has struck a new deal to administer Don Legend's future composition. Interesting. So that makes me wonder. I mean, I wonder that uh, when, uh, when you know what, in the middle of uh, me talking to you, uh, my mom is calling me. <laughs> that tells you she's not listening. I'm writing her on the radio. I'm texting her. <laughs> but anyway, so. Yeah, but um, but it but but it but this is interesting. While the price is not disclosed, Bloomberg says Legends uh, uh, sold the copyright and rights to receive royalties from his music he wrote from late 2004 to early 2020. The source tells Verity that BMG will continue to administrate the catalog, uh, to sh- and, I, and also has struck a new deal to administer John Legend's future compositions. Rep for Legends Legend KKR and BMG declined or did not respond to requests for comments. While BMG has been active in music, an active music company since uh, this uh, since this iteration of it was founded in 2008, KKR's recent activities separate from BMG's includes the acquisition of 62,000 songs, KMR Music royalties, two portfolios from Cobalt Capital for approximately 1.1 billion last year, and a catalog of over 500 songs written and produced by one Republic frontman and veteran songwriter Ryan Teddy, okay? So they've been buying music all over the place. I I don't understand how artists ever expect to be in control, how you ever expect to be in control of your sound. And I, I think what is, what's happened, and, I, you know, in some senses I'm kind of, you know, there's kind of a good thing that sometimes some of these big companies are, I, I would, to me, I think buying the right to music is a little, um, I don't know the right word to use for it. I don't like that. But what I would what I would have liked to see some of these music companies do is uh, 
helping the artist to manage its music, to manage its, uh, how it, you know, how it sells off its sound, how it sells off control of its sound and stuff like that. Uh, you know, uh, how it's helping taking, make, maybe taking a percentage, but to, to take the artist's whole catalog in order to do this is just so fucking fucked up to me. But, you know, it, it, it's because it's always leaving these artists right back in the space. Yes, you might get a big lump sum of fucking money, but, you know, in the end, you have no say and no ownership with how your sounds and how your music goes out to the world. Maybe some of y'all do. I don't know. You know, when they, that's why I'm wondering now when people say they got partnerships with these companies. I mean, you just gave your fucking catalog away and, you know, because these artists are often left, and this is why I want you guys to see There is this chick, and I, I, I was just talking about my mother talking about her true brilliance, okay? She's on YouTube. Let me see. I'm going to look her up. I want you guys to look at her. Uh, she has this really interesting, I love it, from a, just from an astrology perspective. Um, there's a couple of things I want you guys to look up on YouTube today, too, to watch, okay, But uh, for homework. But she has this really, uh, let's see, let's see if I can find it here. She has a really brilliant um, thing on the music industry uh, from an astrology perspective. And I was like, oh, girl, you are so good. You were so on point. But um, it is, let me see if I can find her in my stuff. Hold on. So you guys can, so I can show tell you guys what this. It's so good to listen to if you get time and you have some time and you, uh, you have time to listen to some YouTube stuff like I do all the time. You know, um, I listen to it when I'm in my car and stuff like that. I listen to people. Okay, it says the music industry opening Pandora's box. Now listen, it is from a astrology perspective, a spiritual perspective. Um, you know, a lot of people believe a lot of many. Many different things surrounding the music industry. I just saw the other day, like I saw one of my favorite artists. I'm going to tell you this, and I, I, you know, I won't say who, because I got a lot of favorite artists. It ain't just Maxwell and Janet. You know, I talk about them all the time. It just ain't them. But, uh, but I saw one of my artists doing this. They was doing this, and they think can't nobody see. I'm like, cool, people see that, but maybe they want people to see. They were doing these this hand signal, which was clearly a mason, a mason. And I don't know if they're all involved in some sort of form of masonry, but it was a clearly a mason signal. They had their palms out, and they had one of their uh, fingers, their thumbs bent. So you got to look real closely because they sometimes are playing fucking games. So you got to pay the attention. And I don't know why artists today, when they calling out witches and warlocks and shit like that, they about to do uh, 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 witch trials on y'all asses. <laughs> Y'all be out here playing with that shit. But they was actually doing that uh, uh, old Masonic symbol, uh, Masonic hand symbol. And I was like, look at this shit. And now you wouldn't notice it if you was, if you just looked at them normally. You'd be like, oh, they're doing something cute. Like, what are they, what are they doing that little, this little thing they're doing? They were doing this whole little, uh, I won't say, because if I tell who it is, y'all going to find out who it is. But it, but they had, the, but they were doing they were doing a, a kind of like a magic trick, but they were also doing a hand, hand symbolism. And one hand was dark and one hand was light. 
which also, if you know, your dark path. If you're into occultism, you know, you know shit when you pay attention. You're like, oh, motherfucker, what you trying? Y'all into some wild shit. But they, he is the right path, right hand path and left hand path and stuff like that. You can see they were clearly doing that symbolism shit. I don't know if they know they was doing it, but they was doing it, okay? I'm sure the photographer didn't tell them, hey, let me tell you how to do these occult symbols real quick. <laughs> Right? So it was very interesting. And their background was even very interesting. And what the colors they had on. It was their background that was very interesting and the colors they have on. So uh, to me, all of that looks like occultic symbolism to me. So I pay attention to that shit. When you got on certain colors and stuff. And this is like the fourth or fifth time I've seen this particular artist have these doobie symbolisms, okay? So, you know, y'all always talking about Beyonce and Jay-Z and them throwing up that switch, sick, sick, shit, shit, sick, shit, or with divine God or whatever. But it's, there's a whole lot of other symbolisms that a lot of celebrities be involved in. But she has a wonderful, wonderful thing on it. I think a wonderful look from a spiritual perspective at the music industry. Her name is True Brilliance, T-R-U-E-B-R-I-L-L-A-N-C-E. She also has a Patreon, which I listen. I like her. I support her on Patreon. Uh, but it's called the Music Industry Opening Pandora's Box. Now, I'm not saying all what she says is true, but she has a very interesting, interesting perspective of it, especially being of the Neptunian uh, type of thing. Now, me myself, I I come from a musical family, okay. So, and my family's very spiritual. So I'm, I'm telling you, that's it's very true that uh, when you grow up in a musical household, and we, my grandparents sang gospel music, but my grandparents were also, you know, they they dabbled a little bit. My grandparents, like, you know, they dabbled a little bit into New Ageism and occultism. <laughs> they they didn't know they were doing that, but they were. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if they didn't know, but I mean, I'm just saying we. My grandparents were spirit. My grandparents to this day, to today. They're spiritualists more so. They still have books and stuff in their house and everything. Even though Christianity, we are, we love Jesus, okay? We Jesus people, but we we have we are very as a family unit. We can be very attracted to, uh, drawn into spiritual other spiritual elements of religion and spirituality. Okay, so and, and so it is a. Uh, so I know that's very true, some of the things that she is talking about, about uh, 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 music, the music industry and it being very uh, Neptunian. And I, and as I was just talking about how you can see how when you go to see your favorite artist, you can, you can almost be fooled. You know what I'm saying? Like, by, because, you know, they're, they're very, that's why I say a lot of women tend to sometimes go after uh, you know, sometimes your favorite male artist on stage and you like him, you're like, oh, he's fine and everything. But I always say you have to see him in his ordinary view. You know, it could be the start of something beautiful, but uh, ladies, but more than likely you need to see him in his day-to-day life if you, if you really want something to sit because that's, he's under some sort of illusionary thing when he's on stage. He's giving, he's in his magicianship, right? So it, so it seems and hearing all of that, what she talks about is that sometimes these artists, because they are such magicians and such, uh, and they're so prone to the creative side, that uh, that a lot of them, uh, it's very Neptunian their world. Like you, they're these, uh, like 
because they're sold to us in such a massive way. We think a lot of them have money and they have all this stuff going on. And a lot of them be broke and struggling because the contracts are bad. Didn't you hear Lisa King say she was in a fucking 20 year contract with Sony? I'm like, bitch, you got a 20 year contract with Sony? <laughs> 20 years? That's a long ass time, right? But she was a young girl, right? You know what I'm saying? So that, that's what, and some, we don't know what those contracts, 20 years, it probably wasn't shit, right? So you, it's, and you know, you know it's, it's, and to be trapped in a lot of those, a lot of times, they don't have the world that you see, they present them, these artists out there has wealthy and having houses and cars and money and shit. And, and you know, a lot of times they ain't really got a lot of shit. The ones that you think got the most are the most tied in. The ones who got the most publicity and the most shit and all that, they really tied in. That's why they selling all kind of shit and trying to be trying to tell you on your own. But meanwhile, they juggling shit. They selling ace of spades and cookie cutters and cream cheese and all kind of shit <laughs> to keep up. <laughs> to keep up. Meanwhile, sometimes it be a little artist that really don't got a lot, who didn't take a lot of money from the industry. And sometimes they, they do pretty well, even though you thinking like, oh, they, they ain't did hardly nothing. But sometimes, it, it's like I heard Prince say one time. Prince was on Tavis Malley years ago. And Prince said to Tavis Malley, he said, Tavis was saying to him he was going digital. And Prince was trying to uh, cut out the middle, meaning the record company, right? which I think one of the reasons why Prince's ass ended up in the elevator, but I digress. But Prince, uh, was, he was saying to, Tavis was saying, well, you don't, man, you don't get as much publicity and stuff as you once did with the record companies, you know, you, you, which makes it probably you having less record sales. He said, and Prince said, well, Tavis, put it like this. He said, I sell 8 million records versus 16 million. He said, all that 8 million is mine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's all my money. You know what I'm saying? I'm not taking as much from the record company to sell that 16 million. It was deep what he said, but but Tavis was like, oh, you know, I think I believe it was Tavis Smiley tonight, and he was on there, and you know, so it was really to me uh, that spoke volumes about that industry. Okay, and so it, it, you know, it takes a lot to look a certain way, right? It takes a lot to look like you got a bunch of houses and cars and money. And a lot of times the record companies and people put up this money sometimes against people's catalogs and all kind of shit, right? And if you and a lot of these artists start off in a place where they're not knowing, right? So, you know, sometimes the smallest artists can be sometimes the best off. Sometimes they may not be good at all off, you know. Uh, I was surprised last week. I saw um, well, I saw a particular artist who I was like, damn, you know, they could have had the world had they put more music out, you know. And I would I would love to find out from this artist. Like just in a, I would love this as a particular artist. I was thinking about last week and I was thinking to myself, I said, shit, I would love to find out from this artist like why they didn't put out a lot of music. Like why have they been so you know, artists could be like a Michael Jackson. I mean like they got the look, they got the the sound, they could they could have it all. And this particular artist just did not, and I and I saw they had like almost like it was a small amount of records sold. Like I mean, I think it was like uh, over eight or nine million or something like that. And I was like, what the fuck? I was actually shocked. But I thought to myself, I said, really? You know, I wonder 
like, did they decide in their own mind, like, you know, well, fuck, I want to sing. I want to sing on a world stage, but I don't want to take as much to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to – I know what I can be, but I refuse because – you you know, the bigger you are, this is my personal opinion about the music industry. I think that sometimes when we see, we think the bigger you are, the more independent you are. I disagree with that notion. I think the bigger you are, the less independent you are. Because a lot of times in the music industry, it takes so much. Like you think about TLC when they were at their fucking, I mean, TLC literally was not making no money. But it was such hype around TLC. Shit, I thought TLC would have had, you know, I thought those, them helpers had a lot of money. Them helpers were talking about they were split, splitting $47,000. I was like, what? When you see they 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 behind the music and shit, she's like, oh, shit. Like, you know, they had to go to court. I mean, and Tony Braxton, they was, they was, they was, they was just dragging Tony's ass. They was just cheating Tony's ass. I mean, big time, even Babyface. Shit, felt sorry for Tony Braxton and said, shit, I wouldn't have took this damn contract. I mean, he wrote most of the music and stuff. I mean, you know, it, it's just sad how some of these artists get treated. And so we don't know the behind the scenes because we see all the glitz and the glamour up front. But really, these motherfuckers would probably be broke. <laughs> so that's why I tried to say, you know, they sold off, that, they selling off an energy, a very Neptunian energy. Right, so you, so, and what, you know, and I always laugh about because, you know, I was talking about, when I was just talking about men, you see certain artists on stage or certain people and certain things like that, and and a lot of times what's happening is aphrodisiac, you know, has an aphrodisiac for women, specifically women, because I can talk to being a woman, because you never hardly see men tripping like that. Like men, you know what I'm saying, men don't really trip off the females, like, They'll be screaming. They'll be trying to be cool and stuff like that. But women, we are very prone to that Neptunian energy, in my opinion. So when the illusionary, so we're seeing a number of things. When you're seeing a, a, a certain artist come up on stage, and even with Beyonce, women are seduced from a different place because your seduction, your seduction is like, I want to kind of be like that. I want to be seducing. and I want to be... You know, I want to, you know, I'm a, I want to get sexy for my man. It's this idea of wanting to be, like, when she's saying surfboard and everything, and then when you perform surfboard, it don't sound as fun. <laughs> it ain't as easy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Y'all know what I'm saying out of these streets. Okay. Anyway, but when you see artists like, uh, when you see male artists particularly, and you're, like, sitting there, he's like, ooh, and, he, and he's talking about, you know, like, I love, this one of my songs by Joe is, uh, all the things a man won't do. That song, oh my God, when he when he's talking about, I put a string of pearls right in your hand, make love with you on the beach of black, get black sand, outside in the rain, and he's talking about, it's, it's very Neptunian. Take me to the subway, I'll go there. All of that, and it's, it's attractive to a Scorpio because you're talking like subways and all that. We're like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I love that song, and it's, it's a very seductive quality to it. And we say, you know, I take you out on a night cruise, Neptunian. So when you see these type of men performing this on stage, it has a woman. Women are, what do women like? Women like, women like, women are very, I say women are very hypergamous anyway. So you're attracted to men who are builders and money and stuff like that. And so these guys look like they got it all. And so you're like, ooh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So a 
lot of women get fooled by that Neptunian energy. So it's so interesting to hear, and you get fooled by this idea that these artists have it all, when these artists are probably, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them are probably broke as fuck. And the ones who ain't probably have, like, have so much overhead and shit, they tied in forever. So I want you guys to, so that kind of explains maybe there's something that we not seeing why these artists are so easy to sell off their catalogs and give away their music and stuff because they're probably struggling, maybe. You know, they might need it. And especially when ain't no concerts and shit coming through, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, that's why I just, I, I wanted to, for has a sidebar, a long sidebar, you guys to check out uh, True Brilliance, her thing on the music industry. I think she's sort of spot on. Not all the way, but sort of. Like, I, I, was, I, was, I was like, girl, yes, that's facts. So I loved what she had to say on that. So you guys check that out. And then maybe, maybe you got to explain some of it. And one day, I mean, I would love to have that conversation with that particular artist because I was like, wow, why did you, because you know, I know this particular artist could be more than what they, they, could, they could give, but they just, for some reason, and I think I get it. I think there is this thing, like, I don't want to be fucking tied in. I want to just perform. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to be so tied in. I, you know, it's like you got to name your price. And I know people who have been, I didn't go that far musically. You know what I'm saying? But I know people who have went that far. And people who have been absolutely frightened. Like, I'll talk to people who just say, I didn't, uh uh-uh, no, no, girl, I just read the thing around here, girl, I ain't trying to do that. I'm like, what was they like, girl, uh-uh, too much shit going on right there. <laughs> right, you know, so I was like, so sometimes, you know, people, these artists, we don't know what the hell is happening at a great, at one point, you know, in the, back in the day, you know, this is what the rumors I've heard. I've read books like Hitmen and stuff like that, but I remember reading, I mean, back in the day, and, you know, I grew up around musicians and stuff like that, so I've heard so many things. But I remember hearing uh, that just recently that the mafia was a better steward over the music industry than corporations. <laughs> That's how wild they say the music industry is right now. They say the mafia was better suited. <laughs> like, because, you know, the rumors were back in the day the mafia literally ran the music industry, right? But people were saying it was they were better overseers than what you have today. <laughs> that's crazy. That means that's crazy as hell. <laughs> so even the criminals done got worse. <laughs> so it's no telling what these artists are tied up in and why we are constantly, even the white artists, seeing them sell their catalogs and it's and when the white artist is having to do it trust me it's probably over there uh 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 uh, uh, uh damn near storm in r&b of doing it you know because and this is why again going back to how important it is for black people and this is i, I love a lot of you i love i've heard a number of black actors have said this but I particularly i always shout out tone and get because they've really been fucking on it but and, t- and so does TV hip-hop media. He's on it, too. But she has a great thing I want y'all to talk about in a few minutes I want y'all to check out. But um, one of the things I love that gets them fit, that's why you want to make sure, ensure that the black community is uh, able to financially 
be a good story. Because a lot of black American artists don't understand how important that your success is connected to your community. Because if your community doesn't have money to go to a concert, if your community doesn't have money, because your community, especially if you, your, your audience is just the R&B audience, you know, if you go fucking pop, then, you know, whatever. You know, you, too, you for the masses. But if you have an R&B art, uh, audience, you particularly want to make sure that the R&B audience is able to still do things, buy things, because that's your support. Literally, R&B audience, that's one of the problems. R&B artists don't a lot of times get the, the praise and stuff that they literally depend on the community to buy their music. So when you had, so you want to make sure the community is intact to buy your fucking music because you don't sell a lot because black folks is poor in America. You know what I'm saying? Most black folks, not all black folks. I know we got the illusion, the Neptunian illusion that we, we moved on up, but we ain't really moved on up when you look at them facts, okay? So, so it's still a very small percentage of the black community who is financially astute where we, we, we haven't moved since slavery. So when people like Jay-Z and them say stupid shit like on your own, they really don't understand the stats and how slavery and Jim Crow laws and things and, and segregation and the things that have, that black people have to endure in America has had effects on us economically. They don't even own their own. I mean, you know, when you really look behind the veil, <laughs> And what you see is like, uh oh, you ain't you talking shit, but you really ain't a, you really a full on man. You know what I'm saying? So, so for us, to, we to, we're really a group that if you have to understand that you you have to get into black politics. If you're a black businessman, if you're a black businesswoman, if you're a, if you're a black uh, if you're a black person who depends on uh, uh, the urban, the black urban community to support you, which is the majority of black Americans, then you have to ensure that that, that group has the financial, that, that group is financially stable because your, your financial well-being is connected to them. We do know that communities, there have been studies where communities support their own. You know what I'm saying? I remember reading something like in the Jewish community, their money bounces eight times before it lands the fuck out their community, right? So in our community, they say it only bounces once. <laughs> and that's for the grocery store owned by the white man or somebody Jewish or the Asian or something, right? So that shows that we don't we lack ownership. And so when you understand that, if you are R&B star and you wondering like, damn, I know I do good and good as fucking music as uh, fucking Taylor Swift is out here running her ass around. Well, you need to understand that the community that supports you don't got as much money. And if you don't understand black politics and you sitting up here just uh, uh, hitching your wagon to all kind of shit and trying to sell it as black politics, and you don't, you're not in the business of really paying attention to making sure that black America has a healthy economic sense, what's going to affect your pocketbook too, okay? And a lot of these artists are finding out that the hard fucking way, okay? You're having to sell out these motherfucking catalogs. They're going to be out in the street up here singing the street shows. <laughs> and y'all better hope Amari Khan leave up out this bitch. Because if a morning cry don't leave up this bitch, and this shit, they gonna be canceling concerts again. You motherfuckers is really gonna be selling off catalogs. Shit, y'all gonna be BMG and Sony and all them gonna be owning y'all ass for years and years to come. 
So you, y'all, y'all want to do black politics up in this, okay? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord, I didn't mean to go there, but I did. <laughs> so, all right, moving on to other news. Uh, we talked about Joy Reid yet. Have I talked about Joy Reid? Lose, lose, lose her, her job. Now we got to talk about Jim. Should we talk about Jim Jones? Let's talk about Jim Jones first. Up here talking about his mama taught him how to turn kids. Lord, you know what? Now, see, here's the thing. You know, sometimes I don't know if people crying for help secretly from childhood trauma. No, seriously. I ain't trying to excuse Mama Jones or nothing. But this is what her son done put out here in these streets. Talking about she taught him how to turn kids. Now, that to me was very disturbing on a lot of levels. Because I'm like, how the fuck did your mama teach you how to turn kids? What are you talking about? That's very, I'm very nervous about it. <laughs> what the hell is going on? But according to this week, according to XXLMag.com, it says Jim Jones is raising eyebrows following his appearance on radio personality Angela Yee's lip service podcast. It's always Angela Yee's podcast. Maybe some of this wild shit. But she said in an interview with the popular podcast that premiered on YouTube on Thursday, uh, Joe spoke up here on his relationship with his mom and shared she's responsible for teaching him about sex education. Okay, he was later asked by Yee what his mom taught him about sex, when which is when he shared the news that has since gone viral. The Harlem rapper revealed it was his mother Nancy Jones, aka Mama Jones, who taught him how to tongue kiss by actually kissing him. My mom taught me how to kiss when I was younger, he was told. What was the instructions, he asked. There wasn't no instructions. She showed me with her mouth, Capo replied. Shocked by his answer, he responded, she kissed you? It's my mother. What do you mean, a puzzled Jones retorted. Okay, do we got this audio? Is the audio here? Is it actually here? Because I need to hear this audio. Ain't shit I can, I I need to let Jim Jones tell the story. Okay, so wait a minute, hold on. Where's the audio? We're going to try to get this audio lit. Y'all know how my audio be sometimes. But let's let's try to pull up the audio. But he, he said his mama taught him how to kiss. Uh, I, I mean, I'm a little scared by this, but let me see. Can we get the audio? Okay, let's see. Let's see. Okay, I'm going to try to get this audio up for you guys. Let's see if we can get it up, up. Okay, here it goes. Let me play it for you. Okay. Okay, I'm trying to get the audio up, guys. So, but it's, it's, uh, I thought I had it up up for you guys to go. Maybe it's it's already been taken down. Has it been taken down? But anyway, I wanted y'all to hear him say it, okay? It, it, it's, he, it's from Aaron. I'm sure they didn't take it down. I just messed it. My link must be messed up. Okay, no, here it is. Okay, he got it. Let's listen to him talk about this. Okay, here we go. Show me everything about sex. My first call to me, it's like that. My mom showed me how to kiss. 
when I was younger. What did she tell you to do? <laughs> she told me how to tongue kiss when I was younger. Like, what's the instructions? It wasn't no instructions. She showed me with her mouth. Like, she... She kissed you? It's my mother. No, God, like he said, his mama was a baby, okay? Listen, let me just say something, okay? Because, see, a lot of people got childhood trauma, and they don't know they got childhood trauma, okay? And, you know, his mama might have been acting out of her childhood trauma. Shit, I don't know what shit's going on out of these streets, but grown-ass women's kissing their children. Now, my mom, my mom, my grandma, that ain't how I learned to tongue kiss. <laughs> like that with enough in my family. <laughs> my first tongue kiss, when was my first tongue kiss? I think I was thirteen. It was at my friend Tamika's house. And it was my my first tongue kiss was my this is my it was like seventh grade. It was like going to eighth grade, like thirteen. And it was a guy that he is one of my best and we ended up being breast as we grew up we were best friends. He he passed away a few years ago. But we were best friends most of our lives. Yeah, I think we were like seventh grade. We were so stupid. We were so, we were so stupid. But we were, uh, we were like 13. Yeah, man. We, that's how I learned to talk. <laughs> oh, it was a mess. <laughs> hey, listen. That I don't remember nobody mama and your daddy teaching you. That's kind of, I mean, Angela, you like, huh? I'm with Angela Yee, like, that's kind of like, I, I would have been shocked by that answer, too. But that's why I say, was she, you know, she was a young mother, and maybe she was traumatized some way sexually, but that sounds like very, and it, it, it kind of, I'm going to leave that alone, but it sounds, that's very, that sounds like childhood sexual talk. Why was your mom teaching you how to tongue kiss? At a young age, most parents don't even want their kids. <laughs> what the fuck was your mother teaching you how to touch? My 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 grandparents probably didn't know I knew how to kiss, but I was probably like seventeen or eighteen. <laughs> they didn't know. They probably would be, oh my god, you ain't out here kissing no boy. I'm just saying that that's some of the things your parents try to keep you like. You know what I'm saying? But the fact that she's teaching him at a very young age, and like he said, she was a baby and probably dealt with trauma in her life. I mean, this is why so many kids fuck up out in these streets, okay? You don't have no ba- I ain't trying to diss Mom Jones, but sometimes you can't have no baby when you ain't, when you wreck. You see, kids take on a lot of shit. And it may see why he's trauma. He might be traumatized sexually in some way. And it may affect how he sees women. You know, because his mama's teaching him how to tongue kiss. That shit sounds crazy. And abusive. <laughs> oh, celebrities, watch what the fuck y'all say. I mean, you can talk about <laughs> my mama taught me how to tongue kiss. But hopefully he can deal with that trauma because I believe that's trauma. 
he was like, well, he realized what he said when everybody in the room, because he thought that shit was normal. That shit ain't normal. But everybody in the room was like, huh, huh, your mama? And, you know, and he's like, well, she was young. She was baby, you know, and she, you know, you got babies. And you teach, you treat them like they your little brother or sister, but that's the first fucking problem right there. She's your mama, not your big sister. Like, and that's why I always, you know, I say this for my, my mom, okay? My mom and my dad, I appreciate them so much to this day because they understood, and I respect my mother. My mother understood that she wasn't ready for no kids. <laughs> and, you know, I uh, I respect that she loved me enough to say, you know, my parents can do this better than I can. You know what I'm saying? And I, res- I respect that. She knows I do 100%. I get it. I understand it. And thank you. Because she didn't ruin my fucking life with a bunch of bullshit. You know what I'm saying? And so I respect that, you know, she said, hey, I'm not going to I'm not gonna take my kids through this trauma with me. You know what I'm saying? And whatever trauma I'm dealing with. I trust my parents to deal with, you know, to help her. And, you know, and I can come along as what I can and do what I can. You know, it's just, some, some of you motherfuckers don't need no kids. <laughs> you know, because, I mean, I'm just saying that, that, you know, that because some parents don't wreck, you are not, like, you are not their little brother or sister. You know what I'm saying? You are a parent. And, my, and, and, and that doesn't mean you can't have a relationship, a good relationship that is, that in, and because uh, me and my grandmother, my grandmother and me, we had a good friendship too, as well. Sometimes is, you know, there were certain things. You know, there was a lot of things I, I, I could say growing up, maybe secrets that I learned years later. But we were good friends too. His, I think my grandmother thought saw things as that that would be important too. Good friends as well as her, but it was definitely a, a understanding. That's my grandmother and that's my grandfather. Those are my parent figures. You know what I'm saying? But my mother, now that looked like my big sister because that she wasn't raising me, right? But there still was a, a certain level of respect. But when you are being raised by your parents, they should you, your view of your parents should not be your sister. You know what I'm saying? And then her teaching her kids how to trunk it. That's just the first thing, you know. Yeah, that's crazy. About the side, obviously. <laughs> I don't know what to make of it. I'm still kind of. I'm traumatized by hearing her talk about that. <laughs> oh, man. It's not, it's kind of crazy. It's not funny, but it's crazy because you're like, wow. Like, he thought that was normal in conversation. He, and people are looking like, ew, ew. You know what I'm saying? Because it's not normal for your mama to be teaching you how to talk to you. That's not normal. Wow. That's crazy. Wow. It's here. I thought that was interesting, though. Um. Also, in the news, uh, let's see what else we're supposed to talk about on these streets. Y'all know, we talk about the CIA out here first. CIA, let's talk about this. I haven't even read this article yet. I just heard about it from a friend, and I wanted to make sure I put it up. Let's read it together. Oh, my God. You know, listen, hey, I ain't trying to mess with the CIA too much either because they, these people are gangster out in these streets. You know, I'm, I'm just lying. Let me see, where is that article? Uh, let's go here. Mm-mm. Okay, you guys. So y'all like Carlotta, what's the, uh, why can't, did we talk about Gisseline already? We already talked about her. We, talk, we haven't talked about, did we talk about Gisseline? We tried, yeah, we did. Uh, Gisseline? I think I said already, I think it's Gisseline. Okay, um, let's talk about this article from BuzzFeed News. 
Secret CIA files say staffers committed sex crimes involving children, okay? This article was written by BuzzFeed.com. It says, declassified CIA Inspector General reports show a pattern of abuse and a repeated decision by federal prosecutors not to hold agency personal account personnel accountable, okay? It says over the past 14 years, the Central Intelligence Agency has secretly amassed credible evidence that at least 10 of its employees and contractors committed sexual crimes involving children. Though though most of the cases were referred to U.S. attorneys, only one of the individuals was ever charged with a crime. Prosecutors sent the rest of the cases back to the CIA to handle internally, meaning Few face any consequences beyond the possible beyond the possible loss of their jobs and security clearances. That marks a striking deviation from how sex crimes involving children have been handled at other federal agencies, such as the Department of Homeland Security and the Drug Enforcement Administration. CIA insiders say that the agency resists prosecution of its staff for fear the cases will reveal state secrets. Okay. The revelations are contained in hundreds of internal agency reports obtained by BuzzFeed News through Freedom of Information Act lawsuits. One employee employee had sexual contact with a two-year-old and a six-year-old. A six-year-old, he was fired. A second employee purchased three sexually explicit videos of young girls filmed by their mothers. He resigned. A third employee estimated that he had viewed up to 1,400 sexually abusive images of children while on agency assignments. The records do not say what action, if any, the CIA took against him. A contractor who arranged for sex with an undercover FBI agent posing as a child had his contract revoked. Only one of the individuals cited in these documents was charged with a crime. In that case, the only uh, it has an only previously known case of the CIA staffer been charged with a child sexual crime. Uh, the employees was also under investigation for mishandling classified materials. The CIA did not answer detailed questions, saying that only that the agency takes all allegations of possible criminal misconduct committed by person, personnel. Person for the Eastern District of Virginia, where many of the criminal referrals are sent, did not answer detailed questions, saying that the district takes seriously its responsibility to hold accountable federal government employees who violate federal laws within our jurisdictions. Okay, this is only some of the article. If you want to read the article in its full entirety, go to buzzfeed.com, and the name of the article is, is Central. I'm going to read the rest of it, too. It's Central Intelligence Agency. Uh, it's a secret CIA file say staffers committed sex crimes involving children. You can also go to the Carlotta Chatwood Facebook page, Roll down the thing till you get to it, and there should be a link there so you can hit for this article. Let me just say this, okay? I'm just reading this much. One of the things that they were afraid of state secrets being revealed, okay, I don't think we understand how much dirty shit it takes for our democracy to stand. (laughs) That's why I say you'll never know what the fuck was going on in the Epstein Islands. And it's probably like 20 more of them islands right now. You know what I'm saying? I hate to say that. I hate to say it. It's it's some dirty-ass people. Fortunately, that that, all that shit merges in and trying to keep, because if you find out that what 
that some of the, the most powerful people in the world that probably run some of the most biggest industries, it could probably bring down the economic state of the world in the day, cause turmoil, cause maybe wars and shit. If you find out what half of these 30 people do. So the CIA would have spunked the ass because it got too much fucking power in my ass. But can't nobody control this ass now. It's out of it's out of fucking control. Ask me ask Donald Trump that Donald Trump's ass tried to come in. I was worried for Donald Trump. I was like, you better quit fucking with FBI, CIA. You get them them two agencies was hard to pull back. Ask Ken, I would tell you ask Kennedy's ass, but you know that's another story. Hey, CIA and FBI ain't implying nothing. I'm just saying what I see. I'm just saying, listen. They're, those two agency big dogs, I don't even think presidents can control because they're so full of fucking secrets, okay? And they 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 set so much shit going on on the world age, on the world stage, especially the CIA. And probably there's a shadow agency. That's just my personal opinion. Nobody else's behind the CIA. So you can't fuck with these people. Okay, so, you know, and, uh, you know, that's, if you, they scared a little employee doing nasty shit to young kids and stuff, they can't bust them because of state secrets. Imagine what they can't do to motherfuckers who's running the world. Playing scissors and stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? Other kings and queens and princesses, you know what I mean? I ain't saying, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying, what's the other, not, you know who I'm talking about. What's the king, not, not Prince Philip, what's the other one? But there was rumors about his ass back in the day, too, allegedly. I ain't saying, I'm just saying, you can't, if this shit is true, if it ever gets out, it could shake up the motherfucker. So you see the CIA is in a precarious place because it's done so much dirty shit itself, allegedly, itself. They're like, fuck, we, gonna do? we can't, you know. We got to keep the world together. You get what I'm saying? Y'all get what I'm saying? It's a dirty world. I'm, I'm sorry. This is a show that I got to tell you. I'm a Scorpio. I got to tell you this. I got to tell you the ugliness of it. That's why you probably, this article like this, the reason why I wanted to read this article, because I wanted to say to you, that's why you ain't going to never find out what happened with Jesse Epstein. You know? Because there's so much shit to the Jeffrey Epstein case. You know how many files there are in Hollywood at the top, probably? Nasty-ass pedophiles in politics. Not just pedophiles, but just nasty-asses, period. Rape. All child sex trafficking, all that shit, all... Hey, listen. Hey, hey, some people call Ronald Reagan a drug dealer. I ain't calling one. I'm just saying, you know, well, yeah, maybe a little bit. Hey, look about the Iran Contra affair. These motherfuckers allegedly used drugs, the selling of crack, the crack bombing of the black community. You know, the crack bomb, we ain't never... They do they all kind of shit at black people. They do all kind of shit. They do slavery at us. They try to kill us. They do Jim Crow, segregation, hangings in the South. These motherfuckers do everything. But that motherfucking fact, when they drop that motherfucking bomb, 
we ain't we had a hard ass recovery. That motherfucker. That was that. Ooh, that was one one of white supremacists' best thing. And allegedly, allegedly, they funded a fucking the Iran Contra affair with fucking drugs on the street. Fuck these motherfuckers. These motherfuckers will do anything. I'm telling you, they can't let y'all know what happened on Epstein trial. Epstein, they can't. You will never find out. Because of shit like this, you just don't hear little drops of it. You'll never know. That's why they can't even they can't even arrest somebody for fucking with a two year old because they they they've been exposed to state secrets. So they're like, we gotta let this motherfucker cut up and stay his ass out here. He just get fire his ass, but his motherfucker ass know too much. <laughs> so let alone somebody running the world. Hey. So we, can y'all understand? I think y'all do. Okay, I'm wow, read that whole article. It's very interesting, okay? I'm going to read the rest of it in my damn self, okay? Wow. When I heard about it, I was like, what? And I got sent the link. I was like, this shit, they really did this? This is, this, they really letting people? But then I understood it. I had to think with Jeffrey Evans. I had to think about it all. I said, yeah, this is, you know. It's a lot of dirty shit. It's a lot of dirty shit that happens when you heavy as the head that wears these crowns. You know? You know what I mean? Like, I always listen to Hollywood stories. Like, I be hearing some shit. Like, I used to hear about, like, like, you know, you hear about actresses. And I remember a particular person told me this a big time um uh, person, uh, well, she's big. She wrote a book or whatever. I don't want to say who she is. She told me this about, I was so naive. I did not know that actresses and stuff were going over into the buy. Not all actresses, but some actresses and shit would be going over to the buy and shit and, and having sex with businessmen to make ends meet. Like for a uh, $100,000 for a motherfucking weekend. I was like, shit, if I was single man, damn, I might think <laughs> we were just, we just joking, you know, laughing about it. But she was saying, they get paid, depending on how big they are, a million dollars for a motherfucking weekend, like with with a well-known actress. These bitches is a prostitute and on the side, allegedly. Not all of them, but some of them. I didn't know that. I, when I heard that years ago, I was like, oh. when I heard about male, how certain male celebrities and stuff go to these, these, these places and certain places like that and hang out and stuff or parties if they can get easy access to male uh, uh, shit, I was like, you must, ooh, this is dirty. It's a dirty guy. The world is dirty. Yeah, it's a dirty ass. There's some dirty shit going on in the world. I just can't do it. And these, these little old celebrities doing this dirty shit. Because you can't even imagine what goes on on the world stage, right? I was actually shocked. I was like, and it was a reputable source that told me this stuff. It was like, I was like, period. <laughs> this was years ago. This was years, but now everybody knows about it. But this was years before people knew about it. I was like, oh, you mean these chicks is actually, they like, they don't make, they, they be having a hard time. She's like, they sometimes they don't make enough money. You know, they're, they're in between jobs and they go, they can sort of turn tricks in Dubai with big time business. Oh, you serious? What the fuck? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? A big power person told me this. And talking about how how it's really big, allegedly, these are all alleged stories, in the modeling world. 
Maybe that's why you hear about alleged models on Epstein's planes. I'm not saying on that. I'm just saying that 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 these people said people in between they be needing money in between jobs and shit. See, I heard one model was told, told the motherfucking it's thirty three hundred thousand dollars for the fucking weekend. Nothing surprises me anymore, okay? So the CIA hiding pedophiles and shit? Nah, nah. Whatever. Just <laughs> don't sit with his mama. It's a, it's a crazy ass world. I got some crazy shit. I got some crazy shit in my son. It's crazy shit. It's a crazy world. I don't want to scare y'all. I see I'm here to, y'all like Carlotta. Oh my God. That's why you got to live and be happy, okay? Because it's a wild shit to happen. She ruined my whole concept of what I thought Hollywood was. She's like, oh, girl, wait a minute. You do understand they turn the tricks over there. I was like, turn the tricks? What do you mean turn the tricks? <laughs> She's like, no, no. That's not, the people that go over there and turn the tricks. I'm like, oh. you mean they're not going over there for the, 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 uh, the life and the point? She's like, sure. You know, my little naive ass, I was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and that, that even, I was really shocked about boy parties. I was like, what? They're having boys? What do you mean? I mean, if you were gay male in Hollywood, listen here, let me just say this. Gay males are one of the most victimized men, not even gay men, but period. Gay, a lot of gay men allegedly, this is what I heard, are some of the most victimized people in the Hollywood space, okay? Because motherfuckers like to take advantage of them, okay? And with all kind of wild shit, just crazy as fuck, okay? Just to say, so if you a gay man and you're trying to go out there to Hollywood and be some understand with the game, they be really on your ass, okay? They be really trying to do some shit, do some wild shit. Even they do, I mean, straight men, they be fucking up right in the streets, allegedly, I hear. But really, they, you know, you a gay man, you can be really victimized. I just heard some terrible shit. I mean, just terrible shit. I've heard terrible fucking shit. Motherfuckers just Okay? But that's how desperate people are for certain spaces, okay? To be have attachments for, for uh, certain spaces. So we can't be surprised about any of the stuff that we see or hear in a Hollywood space, okay? Or in a Politic, a space of where politics, especially a space where politics and um, and Hollywood meet. Like I always love, I say, you know, the first full picture of that to me personally in my lifetime. And I'm sure there were other ones before because I've heard even about the Walt Disney. I don't know if y'all ever heard about Walt Disney allegedly. <laughs> allegedly, stories I've heard about Walt Disney. I ain't going to even get into these conspiracy theories because I don't want to scare the shit out of y'all. They're like, but not at the kids' park. Not at the kids' park. At the kids' park. I used to hear alleged shit about Walt Disney. But I don't know. You know, Walt Disney graduated from Westport. He's a fellow alum like me from Westport. I don't want to talk about his ass, allegedly. But anyway, with the scenes, great animation artist. That's all I'm going to say. I I don't know about the rest. Y'all going to have to look it up on the internet. But... Just when you hear about the intersection in my lifetime, the intersection of what happens when Hollywood and politics and sexual predator, predatory stuff and everything meets, 
one of the the wildest places. And you know what? I, it's one of the most fascinating places to me is Studio 54. <laughs> Studio 54 was full of shit. <laughs> so much shit going on. If I could go back in the time machine today, they say, Carlotta, what do you want to do? Now, y'all think I want to go back to the time machine. Y'all say, Carlotta, you must want to see some great history person. Some, you know, uh, you want to go and talk to Jesus. I'm going to talk to Jesus when I get to heaven. But we, we, we got, we, you want to go back in time. No, I don't want to do none of that. I want to go to Studio 54. <laughs> because the shit that you heard that went on with Studio 54. So that tells you what and what in the end you have to find out what how they ended up and which to me the closing of Studio 54 is more interesting the opening because I feel like if one person had a lot of secrets and shit of old Hollywood and stuff it's that mother, the motherfuckers that ran Studio 54 because they saw all kind of nasty shit they saw all kind of shit they said they had even drug wounds. Wow, this is 70s today. So y'all know, y'all know if they got, that's why I was listening to Joe Ray Rogan the other day. And this comedian was on there. I forget his name. He was hilarious. And he was, they were talking about Jeffrey Epstein. And they were saying, you know, he said, do you think there's any more islands? He said, there's probably like 15 more islands now. I mean, bitter, bigger and better made. <laughs> but you'll never know about them. <laughs> it's, a, it's sad. But you have to laugh at the sad because it's like, wow, it's, this is how crazy the world is, okay? Aunt Kelly ain't got shit on these motherfuckers, okay? Ain't got shit on half of these motherfuckers. Bill Cosby ain't got shit, okay, on half of these motherfuckers. All right, so in other news, okay? Let's talk about, uh, what do you want to talk about? Uh, can we talk about Jim Jones? We talked about the CIA. Oh, my God. I'm trying to make sure I get, because we, you know, we, got, we almost at the uh, end of the show. I want to make sure before, oh, my God, we didn't talk about Joey. We talk about Joey Chavez and Giddy. We talk, we talk about Joy Reid about to lose her job, allegedly, out in the streets. Uh, how much time we get? Let's pick a show. Let's pick something to talk about. Should we talk about celeb people are less intelligent? Let's let's end with that. And then I may go into the overdrive with a couple of other things. Because I'm going to talk about Kanye, Kanye West's girlfriend and then that she's a diehard fan. I'm going to talk about that. Some stuff I'll talk about in overdrive. You guys are going to have to catch a little bit of I'm not going to talk about a long. I'll probably do a part two show. And then I'll talk about catch a couple of the show. I mean, catch a more couple of more of the stories. But uh, it says, um, according to the New York Post, it says celebrity obsessed people are less intelligent. New study boldly claims. Wow, well that would say so much about our show and also the culture in general because America is a celebrity obsessed culture, right? You know, it's kind of crazy. No, but on my fact, we I used to try to use celebrities on here. For you guys to see see the human side of it, the crazy nut side of it, and all that stuff. But anyway, it says obsessed with Kim Kardashian's butt, can't get enough of Benefer getting back together. Chances are you're an idiot, at least according to Hungarian academics. New research is deemed people obsessed with Hollywood gossip and A-list celebs 
to, uh, to be not that smart, which will surely come as a blow to those who love pouring over pages of tabloid magazines and turning reality and tuning into reality TV. Damn, I'm not that smart. No, I know that that shit fucks with my brain cells, but that's why I try to read a lot extra of other things to make sure, you know, I, I pull the balance, the nutty shit out. <laughs> this is a study as. Uh, 1,753 uh, Hungarian adults uh, undertake a 30-row vocabulary test and a digit symbol substitution test before completing the celebrity altitude scale questionnaire to determine which levels of interest, of interest in famous people. Participants had to answer yes or no to a series of statements on the celebrity altitude scale, including how often uh, how often uh, people feel compelled to learn the personal habits of my favorite celebrities. And am I, subvet, am I obsessed by details of my favorite celebrity lifestyle? Another yes or no statement read, if I were lucky enough to be my favorite celebrity, he or she asked me to do something illegal has a favor, I would probably do it. What? That is, you are done. Researchers found that high scores on the celebrity altitude skills correlated with lower performance uh, on the two cognitive ability tests. Participants were also asked about their income, material, wealth, and levels of education in order to gain the most detailed picture possible. However, the researchers were unable to determine whether celebrity obsessives performed poorly on cognitive because they used their brain power thinking about A-lessers or whether they were fixated on Hollywood gossip because they were already less intelligent to begin with. Listen, first of all, let me just say this, spelling bees and all that stuff, that's that's a certain amount of your intellect, right? Uh, but to me, intellect is uh, is how you perceive. It's not just you know how you uh, if you can say two times two is four, you know, or you can spell cat c a t. You know, I said that's a certain part because I know a lot of people who are book smart, but they dumb as fuck, right? In real life, they they don't have no regular. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they 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 don't their perception of the world and things around them is fucked up, right? So uh, to me, uh, 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 a super intelligent person has a little bit of all those things. I know that's not the world's the world's view of intelligent is somebody who's not socially uh, 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 aware and sometimes just book smart. That's a certain amount of intelligence. But to me, intelligence has to be uh, graded not only on just book smart intelligence, aptitude, and cognitive, but it also has to be on your perception. Uh, how you perceive how you perceive things, your emotional intelligence uh, uh, level. Uh, it's, it's a number of things that um, that speak to intelligence. Okay, so even people who like celebrity in the celebrity world that doesn't necessarily mean you're not intelligent, right? You know, I like the celebrity world, but I think I'm I think I'm kind of smart. You know, I'm not super smart, but I'm okay. But you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying that I don't feel, but I'm not, a, I, I feel like we, we, this is part of my show and what I do, but it, I mean, you know, I actually feel, and then I do, you know, I do, I have certain people, like I'm going to be Jessica Janet, you know, maybe slightly Maxwell, <laughs> but you know, I think, uh, and, uh, you know, but I'm a Jessica, I mean, Luther, I love Luther, I love so many things, so I, when I like something, I like it, you know what I'm saying? But I'm a Scorpio too. So you can't you can't judge my obsession. I, I, I'm I'm I live in a possessive ball. I'm a <laughs> I'm a November baby, <laughs> right? A early November baby. So yeah, so it's, it's very interesting. That study is pretty interesting. I, I uh, yeah, you know, 
Uh, I think though that she has a great, uh, and they and they only talk to Hungarians, okay? So I think that she, but in a in a place like America, I think the celebrity the celebrity world has been used to dumb down the culture because there is a fixation so much on um, celebrities and their thoughts, and sometimes celebrity thoughts are not that good, but they could be celebrities could be used as gurus nowadays, like he. Like, we listen to motherfuckers talking about they Google certain people. Like, I remember I was listening to one person one time, and they said, when did, when did Jay-Z and Beyonce's ass become guru? <laughs> I mean, it's just how we, you know, our perception is that these, these celebrities can lead us in, in our lives because they're successful in a certain part. They look successful. Remember, I told you it's very Neptunian. They look successful. Uh, they have the illusion of success, but we really don't know them. And so we tend to take their words for things or something like that. Uh, think intelligence. They, while they can inspire us in certain ways and certain things, I think that uh, what a celebrity can be used to kind of get use their influence to influence us to think like them, but also some ways be lazy. So sometimes I can't see the celebrity culture being used in that way. Okay. Listen, we are at the end of the show. I got a, a minute and 51 minutes. If you are on the phone lines, you want to stay on the phone lines, hopefully I'm going to try to do a little bit of of, of the show, a little bit uh, of do an after show, a little bit of it uh, afterwards. So you guys want to stay on the phone lines for the rest of you. I'll do a part two hopefully this week. Thank you so much for hanging out with me like you do every week. Uh, let's leave out with, oh, God, I had it. What is the company that with? Uh, Javier, no, yeah, Javier, crazy, okay? It's the CC Show. I'm Carlotta. Y'all have a good week, okay? I'm out. See y'all. And for the rest of you, stay on the line. I'm going into overdrive. Brother to his knees just for fun. I think it was the first of May. Girl, I can't forget the day. Right then and there, I knew you were the one. Do you think that possibly you could spend your life with me? This girl, this love is growing.
if you are listening to the sound of my voice, you are listening to the archive show. Thank you guys for hanging out with me like you do every week. I appreciate y'all so much. I really do. I do. I do. I hope you guys are having a wonderful start to your 2022. And uh, you can hit me up on Carlotta. What is it? What you can hit me up on? Carly's underscore galaxy on Instagram. You can hit me up on C Chatwood Show or Carlotta72 on Twitter. And follow both. It's mostly C Chat with Show I'm on. Uh, you can also hit me up on the Carlotta Chat with Facebook page. That's where I get a lot of messages from you guys and stuff like that. Uh, you can message me that way, okay? Uh, so I, listen, I want to do a part two because I got so much other shit to talk to y'all about. <laughs> I do. I, so I may do. I'll put a show. But. Uh, I was going to talk about, I think I was going to talk about Kanye's obsessed girlfriend or um, uh, Kanye's girlfriend talking about she was obsessed. Maybe I should save that, you know, save that for you <laughs> to the, to, like that, for the, cause that's, that's a whole nother story. Like he's been running around with this new girl, taking pictures with her and shit. I think he's obsessed more with Kim Kardashian, but she's a fan, you know? And so I was kind of like going to talk about the idea of fans dating their favorite celebrities, like when you're a fan and you get to meet and date your favorite celebrity, like she's a fan, but she's also some sort of model or something down the street, but she says she's a super fan. Like, is it hard? Like, you know, at some point, like when you, if you get to meet your favorite celebrity, right? You know, you like, the, like you fucking get to meet, like you you get to meet the, 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 the celebrity. Like I get to meet, if I'm single, I need to do If I get single, I need to meet the me and Denzel get to meet. You know, Denzel single, I need to meet. <laughs> At some fucking point, I got to separate movie star Denzel from Denzel's ass. I mean, I got to like both of them, but, she, you know, it's kind of weird when she, you know. So a lot of celebrities get freaked out by uh, uh, somebody being, you know, a fan, like a super fan or something like this. So I'm wondering, like, Kanye, though, he's a Gemini. I don't think he gets fucking freaked out whatsoever. I think Geminis love that shit. Like, the duo side, that other twin thinks that shit is cool. Like, they, they probably love that shit. <laughs> other twin is the evil twin is like oh fucking awesome the intelligent twin is like okay she's gonna be a little obsessed is she gonna be calling me all the time you know i got to have my fucking freedom i need i'm a gemini i like to run around i like to do whatever the hell i want to do but uh the other side of that other evil twin is like yes i can do whatever i want <laughs> so I, I wonder how this relationship is going to be going it's going it's going to be interesting uh if kanye stays uh if he's doesn't end up bored <laughs> with this chick, you know, or whatever. Because he's already had, like, two or three chicks he's been parading around lately. Like, it's been two or three, and then he moves across the street from Kim and shit. Like, he's, he's, he's a <laughs> Kanye is crazy as hell, okay? So we're going to talk about that on part two. I think I'm going to say that for part two for us to get into it. And I kept, I did not get to talk about Joy Reid allegedly getting ready to lose her job. There's rumors in the street that the Joy Reid show is going to be gone. Am I surprised? No, because remember the last, who was it before? It was Torrey, and I forget the other uh, black lady newscaster, MSNBC, had it for a certain amount of time. And then after elections, they started easing them out. I mean, I'm not surprised. But people are trying to say it's on Joy Reid. She's mismanageable and stuff like that. But I, she's not manageable, people are saying. But I do know she did Adolf's wrong because she was wrong about them of being robots or something, whatever she was saying out in the streets. It's kind of crazy. But um, I'm not surprised about this, if that is so. MSNBC has a rotation sometimes they tend to do with 
uh, 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 black uh, uh, newscaster. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they uh, do there. Now, I forgot to talk about the Janet Jackson new documentary that's coming out. I am so psyched to see it. Now, you know, my personal opinion is that we're not going to see Janet address nothing really all that fucking serious. I don't think we are. It comes at the end of January, the 28th or 29th, I think. I can't remember. I have a date for y'all on part two, to be for sure. But, you know, she's addressing shit from so far. She did say and talk about she was guilty with Michael Jackson by association because of what and how it affected her career. She is going to talk about. We got to see her say a little bit about that this week. And, of course, I've always said that on this show, that one of the reasons Janet's Super Bowl shit took such a dark turn is because that was right before Michael. That trial was affecting her her, her overall. And mix that Super Bowl in it, she was going to catch hell, okay? So at that point, I felt like the Jacksons were under attack as a family completely during that time. So it's interesting that she talked about that. But, you know, if that's the shit she's going to talk about, I already knew that. I really need her to address Bobby Brown talking about uh, her saying she couldn't date him and all this stuff because she couldn't date no black man and him kicking her out that uh, hotel room allegedly like we used to hear back in the day. You know, I've always heard tea about Janet and Bobby. I heard the tea. The tea I heard that it wasn't just during the 80s But I digress. I mean, I've heard a lot of tea. I want to see if she's going to address the hard tea. You know, celebrities be talking out of, you know, they talk out of, see, I'm going to address really serious issues. Like, she might address what happened to her and Jermaine Dupree. I don't give a shit. I've heard about that. What I really want is you to address the real shit. Like, did you go up in there? Was you really gangster? Like, as they said, allegedly at 14 years old, her and who was it? I forget which one of her friends. When they beat up Joe's mistress. What really happened with you and Latoya? Did you go kick Latoya? Did you kick Latoya's ass after a concert? That's allegedly some street tea out in these streets. I mean, there's a lot, of, a lot of tea about Janet Jackson. Like, uh, tell the tea. But otherwise, if you get ready to get on here and tell me a bunch of shit I know, because I'm, I'm Janet Jackson obsessed, I'll probably be dumb and Hungarian. <laughs> Listen, tell, it tells me, I really don't want to I really don't care. You could save the documentary. So I'm really hoping that Janet's going to address these long-held rumors about her. Is she going to address being bisexual, allegedly? Will she? Like, you know, like Will came out with a book with all that shit about him and Jada, and y'all got so tired, which I think he did on purpose, where everybody was like, every, we've heard every topic we could on him and Jada, and I'm getting ready to read Will's book. My grandma's reading it right now. She's like, oh, yeah, my, gra- <laughs> my grandma's reading it, my 87-year-old grandma. But we but we heard so much shit about them, but the one thing, it's all shit we kind of knew and heard about over the years, but the one thing Will has not addressed and he's never put on Red Table Talk is the Dwayne Martin room. I ain't put it out in these streets. I ain't, no, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't breaking no stories here, Okay. I don't do that here. What I'm saying, cause I ain't in there. I, I, I ain't got the. I, 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 I ain't get. I ain't. I ain't as gutsy as Tasha Cat. <laughs> I love you, Tasha Cat, but I ain't gutsy. She be doing some wild shit. Listen, I, what I'm saying is, saying where is the Dwayne Martin store? You know. I mean, that's what I want to see at right Red Table Talk. Tisha Campbell, Dwayne Martin, 
uh, and Will and Jada sit down. Let's clear up the rumors here. <laughs> okay, I'm doing it for today. See, that's the stuff. If you're going to write a book, let's get that shit out the way. We really got to lie about it. Just get it out of the way. You addressing all this other shit, address that shit. You know, but will Will ever do stuff like that? No. He, Will is gone. He, he threw so much shit at it to out of time. Y'all almost forgot about Dwayne Martin. And then the other day, my friend Manda so uh, beautifully reminded me, yeah, will we be seeing Dwayne Martin on my Red Table Talk? I was like, oh, shit, yes. Because <laughs> he threw so much shit at us that we knew, but we couldn't yet confirm. Now we all like, well, what about Dwayne Martin? Now you ain't going to hear shit, right? So we'll talk about that on part two, about uh, is Janet going to reveal something, some shit we don't know, okay? We'll talk about that and a whole lot more I got for uh, part two, okay? We'll talk about, oh, about fans defending Ari Lennox about going to Ghana and she's talking about she want to buy a house. You can't listen to it. Listen, 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 listen. And that's not dogging Ari Lennox, okay? I don't know her. I'm, she seems like a great singer, okay? She she once had something about she, she was going to quit or something. And I talked about that once on the show. But listen to me. When you hear celebrities talking about buying houses in Ghana and all that shit, you know, they don't, they don't, listen, you got to go. What, you, what I tell people, if you ever want to really move to Africa, go on YouTube and there are regular people who have moved over back to Africa. You take, and you need to hear their fucking stories. They ain't all that great. <laughs> you motherfuckers have become too American to live your motherfucking asses over in Africa. <laughs> Y'all comfortable as fuck. Y'all ain't ready. Now, celebrities probably ready. Like Stevie Wonder, when he talked that shit, the Stevie Wonder got a lot of money. But uh, you other motherfuckers better really think that shit through, okay? Because <laughs> you don't, it ain't like, well, come on. Like, it ain't, you know what I'm saying? You, you got a lot of cultural shit to get over. You got a lot of, now, if you call up there, it's a beautiful thing. Go do what you got to do. But you got a lot of cultural shit to get over. You got a lot of, uh, 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 the fact that you are American. They don't, they ain't come like, brother. They not, no. They like, your ass American. And they try to treat you like an American, too. They be asking for that money. They be, America, America, you America. <laughs> they don't see you as long as Ghana brother and sister. Gone. Oh, some of them may, but most of them see you as American. So you really need to, when you start talking about, oh, I'm coming home, I got to be off to the soul, to the land of my ancestors and shit. No, those, a lot of, they, they uh, the middle passion shit is a business over there, okay? Ain't, no, ain't nothing wrong with that. I'd love to see that one day. Don't get delusional. <laughs> That's why I say I go to see the people who have done it. There are people who are actually living the experience and living over there, and they give you some real-life, real-reality shit, okay? But don't be listening to these motherfucking celebrities talking about it there because they treat them extra special because what? They are celebrities, okay? So don't buy into the bullshit. So we'll talk about that and a whole lot more. I'm going to save it for part two, guys, okay? I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to save it for part two. I am. Okay. So part two, when will it be coming? I don't know. Maybe tomorrow or maybe sometime during the week, okay? If I'm, I'm going to try to get a weeknight when I'm not busy or maybe tomorrow night, okay, we'll do a part two of the show. All right? So I just wanted to touch on some of the subjects that I was going to talk about in part two. You guys, 
go out, enjoy the rest of your weekend, okay? I'm out. Have a wonderful, wonderful, uh, safe weekend. I will see y'all part two this week, okay? Now we're going to leave out with, you know what, one of the ultimate Scorpio singers, of course she's singing some song like Freak Like Me, <laughs> Dina Howard. We're going to leave it out with that one. All right, y'all. I'll see y'all next week, okay? I mean, I'll see y'all during the week. Bye. <laughs>